Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure Run Fast on Raw Dog Serious XM Comedy Hits Channel 99 the Ron and Fez show on a Thursday. Big World Cup day. Either Uruguay or England will be out. Spain is out yesterday. They've been what the Spanish media is now calling Pepper Hicks. Out of (laughs) this guy, seriously, if Chris Stanley told me He's bet $1,000 that the sun will come up uh, tomorrow. I'd fucking bet against him and give him odds. <laughs> He's that much of a jinx. Um, I honestly think that if we got Chris Stanley out of this country, uh, Obama's approval rating would go up. We'd finally jump out of this recession. There would be jobs for young people. <laughs> and dogs would be able to start driving. That's what. That's how Chris Stanley sell back this country. This is a superpower I have now, right? I mean, it, it's classified as that. To I don't to- see a superpower has to work to your benefit. You're doomed. You know what I mean? You're Job. I don't understand how this happens every single goddamn Because you're an awful person and karma's real. Fuck! That's what I've learned. There is a God and he hates you. There's got to be worse people than me, though, out there. There isn't. There isn't. Maybe all the bad people are rooting for the same teams. Yeah, maybe you and Charlie Manson are fucking going, (laughs) I think Spain is going all the way. I'm into a new thing right now, man. I can go this way or that way. You know, I'm talking to the trees. Right now, I just had a fax to a maple. Um, well, anyway, uh, that is it. Uh, Chris Stanley is out. No surprise to any human thinking person. But good news, uh, the new episode of The Halls is out there. Also, Chris Stanley lost his job as director of The Halls for... And this is this came down from the, from the studio. Lack of talent... And lack of direction. Again, another bad turn of events for me. <laughs> how many How many weeks are we into the halls, Chris? We are five weeks into the halls. Right, five weeks into the halls, and maybe an hour and a half into their first day. <laughs> I don't know how long this could possibly go on. This is a new format. And check it out at Ron and Fez SXM on Instagram. 
at Ron and Fez SXM on the Instagram. And like it or upload it or favorite or what happens? You like it, you comment, you regram it. Regram is the Instagram retweet. So you regram the halls at Ron and Fez SXM. Now, isn't a regram is when I get a gram, snort a little bit, throw some baby <laughs> fucking manitol in there, and then sell it to a... That's mm, just cut. I gotta be careful. See, I had to watch what I said there. Were you about to drop a name? Yeah, I was. I was. Yikes. Um, you know, here's Jason in Detroit. Jason, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, Ron Fez. Hey, Pop. Um, first of all, could you root for the Royals from now on? And number two, who's not going to who's going to be the worst team in the NFL next year? So I know who to back to win the Super Bowl. All right, let me tell you something else. So. Uh, about Chris Stanley. He'll never be a Royal. Um, who is your Super Bowl pick right now? Seattle, of course, because they won last year. You fucking uncreative prick. <laughs> dynasty time, baby. <laughs> yeah. It's a dynasty. That's, this is your ability to look into the future. Directly into your past. <laughs> Why is it every day the same as it was the day before? I don't get it. Why can't we come out with Chris Stanley's Twilight Zone? Because you're doomed. That's genius. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe that's the new The Halls. Uh, well, let's uh, let's take a view of The Halls and see what's going on with the kids. Oh, they're finally in The Halls? Is that it? <laughs> in, this, in this episode, there's some <laughs> Halls action in The Halls. All right, great. Do the other pitch segments my producer later are really bummed about it. Awesome, dude. I can't wait to get a chance to do that. Yeah. All I'm going to do is get coffee and make lunch orders. Hey, who's that? Cousins. Wow. Well, first oh, of all, the... The guest stars amazed me. <laughs> Shelby and Catholic Joe were in it. And what was Shelby's line? I want to do things, but they won't let me do things. This time you gave food orders. Something about lunch. <laughs> they just had me get lunch. But I just want to be snarky on the air. Well, let me say this. Favorite episode of The Halls yet. I liked uh, Vito's eyebrow raise at the end. I All think right, that, I missed that. That me, said a lot. All right, let's rewatch The Halls. <laughs> Do the other pitch segments my producer later are really bummed about it. It's awesome, dude. I can't wait to get a chance to do that. All I'm going to do is get coffee and make lunch orders. Hey, who's that? Do you see that eyebrow raise? Oh, that is a nice touch. But see, here's what I think. As the eyebrow raised, so did the penis. That's the work that Chris Stanley was doing there. Now, Chris, who has has replaced you as director of the halls? Uh, Shelby. <laughs> okay. All right. So Shelby's going to be in the halls, you know, uh, and direct? Yeah, he's going to be. That's a- fucking Woody Allen time. Player coach shit. <laughs> I, am, I am this close to taking my name off as creator. <laughs> but I love this episode. It's a great episode, right? Well, I, I, you know, it's stunt casting, obviously. You know, it's going to draw a lot of new eyeballs to see those two guys uh, acting. It's on Instagram, at Ron and Fez S. XM. We always hate to say SXM. No one can really comfortably say that. You always have to go, then see us run as SXM. <laughs> you almost said something, Chris. You leaned in and then pulled back out. You're ready to say fuck that place, right? Joe, Joe's uh, close up was amazing, I, I feel, as director. Why can't you stand next to the mic? Why are you bobbing back and forth to the mic like fucking Mike Tyson's trying to hit you? I tried a couple of Red Bulls this morning. 
That's not a good thing for you. Um, Matthew, you're on the Run of Fez show. How's it going, buddy? Hey, buddy. Um, the intro song for The Hall, I heard it in The Situation from the Jersey Shore. He's got some new reality TV show, and it is in the background at the very end of the trailer for the show. Well, that's kind of interesting. That means that we're into the zeitgeist. But the other thing, I mean, when you think, I'm saying I need more story with the halls. And in situation is going to have a TV show about him and his family opening up a tanning salon. I feel like we're out ahead of it now. Yeah, I think uh, the halls is breaking ground. Breaking ground. Uh, they needed... Uh to get out there to some more people, so, so they copied the best show on the internet right well, now. No, thank you very much. That's right. It's the only right, Instagram team drama out there. Is that a good thing? Yes, it's mm. totally good. It's I don't know. Thing. When you're the only one to do it, I don't know if that's great. Now, by the way, um, all of that is up on Instagram every episode. So if you have two minutes to kill today, what am I saying? If you have two minutes to kill, you can watch these and take a nap. At uh, Ron and Fez, SXM on Twitter. Yes, we've all said it like <laughs> nine times. Like, I'm all for the plugs, guys, but constant? Well, I don't know. I guess it's big with the young kids. I guess they love it in a big way. There is a hashtag millennial at the end. You know that's attracting a lot of viewers. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Also, hashtag intern veto strikes me as an interesting choice. I wonder how often people are really hashtagging intern veto. It comes up quite a bit. <laughs> you know, I know it trended last night. Oh, definitely. Worldwide. I'd stop blasting the Hall's theme. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> it's making me emotional. Were you getting a little teary-eyed? Yeah. Molly, yeah. are you going to appear in the Hall's? Maybe. Who knows? I, I got the perfect part for you. What's that? Exchange student from Israel. <laughs> My Israeli accent is not so good. I want to do something with you and uh, Shelby and Catholic Joe, and it's just called Menage. That episode will just be called Menage. Will you ever be with two guys at one time? No. You're a good girl. Thank See, you. I'm very proud of her. <laughs> Thanks. That was a trick question. <laughs> that was a trick question. What would you have done if I said yes? I would have screamed and started crying and yelled. I don't know what I. I don't know where it went wrong. What game is on right now, Hicks? Ivory Coast and Call Columbia. Ivory Coast by the name that they call it, though, because it's a lot better. I can't pronounce that. It's like yeah, French. Yeah, I want you to pronounce it. Yeah, it's French. Co- cock di- diver? Cock <laughs> yeah, diver? cock di- diver. <laughs> Speaking of which, Fez is here today. Hello. <laughs> or was that Squiggy? See, this before you were born, and there was a show on called <laughs> Laverne and Shirley, and Fez just did an impression of uh, Squiggy. Fez does an interesting thing. None of his impressions are from this millennium. Hmm. They're all from... Most of them are like in a good New York apartment pre-war. Yeah, there it is right there. Squiggy. There's, there's, you've never heard of Squiggy? Nope. That's what Fez just did, the impression, when he did his funny hello. <laughs> so you have to be careful with that, Fez. We got some youngsters li- listening as well today. All right, so the halls is up and running. Big, big news. This up on the iBank. Chelsea uh, Handler uh, signed with Netflix. And... Um, it just goes to show you how much the world has changed. Yeah. To me, when you drop a TV deal, 
and then sign with an online subscription service for seven years. It just doesn't seem like that would be beneficial, but obviously she's got a great you know, manager. They wouldn't do this unless it made great financial sense, but I'm still old school enough to say this sounds nuts. I think, I mean, this is just a prediction or like speculation. Obviously, I don't know for sure, but I think that since Netflix is more new and like this ground has yet to be established, that maybe she has more creative control or something. And like, do you ever see that show that she does? She just sits there and fucking hangs out. Like, I don't see, I don't see a downside. Well, I know, but maybe the, I don't know, maybe like the suits are controlling her on TV. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it at all. She's kind of bored during her monologue every night. <laughs> she brings up drinking a lot. I think she'd rather be at a bar sometimes. Well, the um, the the point is, the platforms have changed so much. Yeah. That you would never get around to thinking this is a better move than being on television. And, you know, it's not a late night show anymore because now you can get it whenever you want it. And another strange part of it is they don't know whether she's going to be doing a daily show where there's going to be a new episode up every day if it's once a week or maybe just some in-between time. It's really so catch-as-catch-can. Well, that's the whole thing, though. You just, it's like with the podcast thing. You just put them out whenever you want to put them out. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's no like, schedule. Maybe she feels like she has more flexibility with through Netflix. Well, it's an it's incredible amount of flexibility, but does it work in the long run? I, I mean, look at Orange is the New Black. I've I, seen those ads everywhere. People are obsessed with that show. And it's on Netflix. But how many people do you think see Orange is the New Black in comparison with, let's say, Big Bang Theory or... I'm just going to guess, is Uncle Buck still on there uh, with <laughs> Kevin Meany? Is Kevin Meany's Uncle Buck still running? I don't know all the shows, which kind of makes your point. Yeah. But it just seems strange to me. It seems like every comedian's whole thing was always get a show on TV to fuck around with your friends. She got that, and now it's saying, oh, better, I'm going to Netflix. Remember them? They used to mail you discs. <laughs> Just what, two years ago or something? Yeah, the streaming thing just took over. Maybe three years ago is when it, it first started really blowing up. <coughs> I remember when they would just mail you fucking DVDs. Yeah, well, they revamped the thing. People are getting bored with, bored with the old ways. <laughs> How old was it? You were only mailing this for a couple years. How quickly do DVDs you need to revamp? DVDs are also pretty new, <laughs> relatively. I know, they are. I remember when I got them, like, this is crazy. Oh, there's a director's commentary. Remember you would spend like fucking eight hours watching one movie? <laughs> oh, behind the scenes, huh? Yeah, let's find out how they make the special effects. I like featurettes on things. <laughs> featurettes, what a bunch of little <laughs> garbage. And yet, I was happy to watch them. <laughs> yeah, blooper reels for days. I was very happy to watch them. And remember, you could get the director's cut, you know, the director's commentary, and then the next one would be um, just like, oh, now the cast is going to talk about it. <laughs> now the writer. Here's the composer. What's to talk about the score? Um, all right, Michelle wrote in, I'm pretty sure regramming is not a real thing. I can only see the option to like the video on Instagram. There's a special app that you have to download in order to regram. And then also sometimes people just take a screenshot of the, you know, of the window that's showing that video and then re they Instagram that photo. Regram's a real regram. thing. 
It's a real thing. Okay, so you need a special app for it, though. Or you could just take a screenshot of the window that's showing the video and then Instagram that picture. All right. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Just supposed to pub the halls. No, I'm all over Pinterest, and I don't see the halls at all here. I think it's a huge mistake. <laughs> also, pin the halls. Everyone, pin it. <laughs> uh, is it, like, feel good for you, though, to no longer have the pressure of the halls on you, Hicks? No, I love the halls. This, this new episode's have been the best yet. Yeah, but then the one that you shot that we actually, you know... Yeah, the studio wasn't happy with the dailies on that one. No. You completely lost it. Maybe we need to release some kind of press. And here's why I felt bad about it. Release some press? Like, I was going to say release a press release, but that just sounded stupid. So. <laughs> <laughs> release the press release to, to the press. Release them. Um, but in one of the outtakes, we'll take the, one, the last one that you shot. That was, even for you, bad. Yeah, looking back, it was, it was a it was a rush shoot. And then I had to see poor Michelle's face yesterday when I told her that it's been cut. I couldn't look at her. No, me neither. <laughs> because I guess you told her she did good, and she felt so great about it. And then, you know, yesterday we were recasting her. Yeah, there's big changes afoot on the halls. Yeah. We're looking at Laura from booking. <laughs> but all the interns are afraid of her. <laughs> Would you go up and get a book that she has for me? Oh, do I have to? <laughs> Not Laura. Can I wait till later after she goes home for dinner? Do you remember I had all that beef with her last summer? Yeah, everyone has, though. And then, like, Everyone's I, afraid. There was the one day, though, where I like said something about her on air, and then Fez had talked to her, and she was like really hurt. And that day, I got on the elevator, just me and her. And oh, we stopped on like nice. every floor, but nobody else got in. It was like it, it was like heaven. It was like a puppet thing. It was like crazy. <laughs> were you making small talk? No, I, we, we were just like standing in opposite corners just of the always, elevator. Just always do this, like when they keep stopping. I like, what is this, the local? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm sorry about this on an air thing. Never pay attention on air; it's not real. Actually, I was trying to listen to like Rhapsody or something, but I didn't have the Wi-Fi, so I had earphones in my ears with no music playing. Just to, <laughs> to just uh, <laughs> this is on a fake call. Yeah. Oh no, Grandma's sick. <laughs> oh yeah. Put her, put her on the phone. I guess she's really sick. Yeah. Um, you were supposedly an isolated incident with that, and no, it just kept happening with every intern before and after. Yeah, so, just goes to show, it's not me. I think she's great. I think she's fantastic. I don't know her that well, but the interactions that we've had have been strained, to say the least. Well, it's, you know, you want this to be like a school, but she's got a very stressful job. Right. She books big stars. She's dealing with all these PR firms. She releases the press releases to the press. <laughs> she's doing a lot. And she doesn't need you in there, like, chewing gum and, you know, talking about Gossip Girl. <laughs> And, you know, she doesn't have she doesn't have time to tell you where babies come from, all right? right? It's a busy day. That's true. I'm going to stop asking her that question. Yeah. It seems to tick her off. Well, anyway, the halls are up, and they're just uh, fantastic. Meme from the headlines is up there, too, today. Woo! Um, do you have production on that, Fez? Is that what you're going to? No, I don't. Okay. Meme from the headlines is up. 
And I said that you guys would have the opportunity to write your own, and if they were funny enough. It's up on the iBang, up on the iBang today. And um, I guess it's had to do with a New York City morgue that repli- that, that uh, mistakenly put a body somewhere else. Yeah. They... Uh, mistakenly donated the body instead of <laughs> giving it back to the family. These things happen, uh, but this is another place in New York City morgue may have mistakenly donated bodies. Taco Bell, Mets Bullpen, um, KFC, uh, Joan Rivers for parts. Oh, come on. <laughs> Harrison Ford stand-in, British Airways is a seat filler. Um, as backups of prison execution goes bad, and a possible Mitt Romney running mate. I really do hope he runs one more time. Um, so, today, uh, I said, if you guys were good enough, you could each put one up. Molly, you go first. Um, um, another place that the NYC morgue may have mistakenly donated bodies to whatsyourprice.com. All right. That's a winner. That goes Yay! up. Go ahead and feel free to go and put that up. All right, all right, all right. Chris Stanley? They mistakenly donate bodies to Times Square to pose with tourists as authentic New York zombies. Oh, that's stupid. Okay. That's not. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't make it. You didn't make it today. All right? Uh, Shelbo. We'll be uh, replacing Paul Walker in the new Fast and Furious movie. Oh, <laughs> too soon, but I'm going to give it to you because structurally, as a joke, it works. Ow. All right, all right. But I have to say, that shock jockness is not my thing. Not a big shock jock fan. Can I interrupt you for one minute? Yes, I just do. witnessed a really tender moment between Pepper and Shelbs. What's that? Shelbs went over the mic, and Pepper gingerly placed headphones on his head. It was like a father son thing. Thanks, Dad. It was like, um, you know, it was more like daddy's son gay porn. They run those. What? Yeah. Fez told me about it. (laughs) It's the only one he goes to. All right, Fez, you're the last guy. Your chance to get it up. On the eye bang. All right, I'm going up on Mean from the Headlines. Accidentally donated to fill the New York Rangers Appreciation Day Parade. Oh. I'm going to say no to that one. So, oh. I, it, it just sounded too much like, I don't know, the Tonight Show. <laughs> the old Tonight Show. Uh, all right, uh, so two of you guys get to put up uh, on Meme from the Headlines, and uh, we'll read off some of them later from the listeners. Go to the iBang, memed from the headlines. Speaking of the old Tonight Show, Jay Leno will be getting the Mark Twain uh, American Humor Award at the Kennedy Center. Uh, what do you think, Fez? Deserved? Not deserved. Um, Not deserved. Jay Leno. Yeah, Jay Leno. I don't know. It was for so many years. It was. I don't know how groundbreaking he was to follow in a Mark Twain tradition. 
Ellen has gotten this award. <laughs> I think Jay, Jay Lano could have done it. I mean, he was, what, 19 years with The Tonight Show? Most of the time, yeah. number one. I don't know what. 22 and, years. 22 years. A long time. Yeah. Uh, with a little skip out for Conan time, I don't know how you can't give him the award. I'm confused about how they pick this. Uh, they just have... Uh, a living American humorist? There yeah. are like so many of those. Yeah, that's why you only give out one a year. It's like a lifetime achievement award. Right. This is the kind of stuff that you give a Bill Cosby. Uh, I don't think they've given it to Joan, but she would have gotten it. Pryor has got one. Uh, Molly, would you give it to Jay? Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. I think that I disagree with Faz. I think he's groundbreaking enough to win this award. Yeah, it's not that. Uh, I don't know how much ground you got to break. I think you should just host a Tonight Show for 22 years is pretty good. I understand he didn't drop the F bomb the way Fez likes his comedy. Uh, Chris Stanley and Shelby, well, what do you guys think? Would you have given it to Jay? Yeah, I like it because we don't really like, a lot of people don't like him now, but. Say this like, you know, eight years ago, you'd say absolutely. I mean, jaywalking, while he's done it a lot, it is a great bit. For he's showing how retarded his own fans are, though. <laughs> it's kind of a, to me, that was always like the meanest bit. Like, look, look, I'm funny, but look how stupid these people are. They don't know who's on a dollar bill. That used to actually give me stomach cramps when I would just see how dumb the American people are and then they vote. And they've given it to other people that have been in, like, comedy and entertainment less, and I, for me, like, have done less significantly than him. So, I think it's... You take it seriously, Shelby. I'm glad to see that. People also talk about how they've been trending toward, like, sort of the more middle-of-the-road people lately. That's a criticism of this award. People saying that... Like the more mild manners, mild mannered comedians have been the ones. Right. Well, they don't want to bring somebody out in the Lincoln Center and have them say "cunny." You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Or have the guy OD. Right. You got to be some. I mean, it's Mark Twain. You know. (laughs) Right. It is Mark Twain after all. I don't know how edgy he was. He was basically the Jay Leno of his time. Um, What else you got, Fezzi? Uh, Last Comic Standing tonight, uh, I'll be live chatting on the Interrobang for Last Comic Standing where they pick the finalists of the the top ten. These will be the last five that go into the top ten, and then it really gets started. So what I was thinking, your chance to win tonight on Last Comic Standing. I'll have a prize all set to go tomorrow uh, for the person who has the best line tonight in, while we're live chatting on Last Comic Standing on the iBang. No Shelby tonight? I believe Shelby's going to be there, and he can compete, but I don't think he's going to be able to keep up. Uh, David, you're on the run of Fez show. Yeah, Jay Leno definitely deserves it. If, if not him, I mean, if he don't, who does? I mean, 22 years on the Tonight Show, he still goes out and does comedy on the weekends. He's the biggest one of the biggest stars on TV, and still does comedy on the weekends. Who who would deserve it if he didn't? Yeah, he definitely deserves it. Um, Spencer and Philly, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys, I'm not a huge Leno fan. I never really liked his show, but uh, I think he definitely deserves it for his body of work. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to give anybody lifetime achievement, you know, I don't see how you can sit around and bitch about Jay Leno. Uh, Rob, how you doing, buddy? 
Good, man. I mean, I think he deserves it. I mean, think about this. Not only was he doing the Tonight Show for so long, but he was also doing stand-up on the side. I had no idea about that. I heard Jim Norton talk about it, but I mean, I'm a Letterman guy myself, but you got to give him credit. I mean, he took over the Tonight Show and had huge ratings for the longest time. Yeah. I think Fez was the only uh, the only negative vote to this one. Yeah, it sounded like they're just giving him this because he's he hasn't gotten that Emmy award, and all the other late night show he's hosts gotten an Emmy award. I remember when he got it. Oh, I don't recall that. I remember it was back uh, when they were doing the movie, and he said, "Now they got to change the ending of that movie." I guess. Yeah, IMDb says that he did. <clears throat> Win a yeah. primetime Emmy. Oh, okay. It seems like year after year he's just never nominated. So this, they end up taking the Mark Twain tw- Trophy and giving that out as a consolation prize. Well, first of all, it's two different organizations. It's not the Emmy people doing this. No, I understand that. But it's like, well, give him something. He had a show taken away from him. It just seems for all the wrong reasons. What would the right reasons be? Uh, I think the right reason would be to give it to somebody else. What? <laughs> the right a- reason is to give it to someone else. That's an action. <laughs> We've decided the basis of this award is it goes to someone else. <laughs> That's our reasoning behind this award. And this year, somebody else winner is someone else. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get it. I think it's going to go to someone else again this year. Mm. It's always someone else winning it. They gave it to Ellen DeGeneres in 2012. I like to call her Ellen DeGeneres, you know, for her lifestyle. Oh. But I'm quite the white, the right ring winger. Um, you got a little piece of comedy, right, Fez? Oh, yeah. This is on the Interrobang. It's Last Laughs. This is looking at some of the funny people who went out with a joke on their, to- on their tombstone. They used their tombstone, their epitaph, as a last chance, last opportunity to get out a joke. And, in fact, we have a special correspondent to take us through this. So the special correspondent <laughs> is coming in now. Graveyard fans, it's the ghost of Paul Lynn to take you on a tour of some funny tombstones of dead funny people. And who better to do this than a dead comedian? The rumor is I died doing poppers while getting anal. Cause of death? Pool boy. Why are you screaming? It was my ass. Oh my goodness. Jack Lemon's grave simply says Jack Lemon with the word in written right above the ground, marking his final appearance. If only he and Walter Matthau could have been buried together, they'd be the sod couple. Man of a thousand voices, Mel Blanc, used his famous Porky Pig catchphrase on his tombstone. That's all, folks. I'm surprised he was able to be buried in a Jewish cemetery while quoting pork. Rodney Dangerfield's grave reads, There goes the neighborhood. They should have used this famous Caddyshack line. Hey, we're all going to get laid. Yeah, out in a grave, Rodney. (laughs) Dorothy Parker was cremated in one of the epitaph, Excuse my dust. No one should be able to disturb your final resting place by sneezing, Dorothy. 
George Burns and Gracie Allen are buried with the words together again on their grave marker. Prime location, Gracie. Buried on the right hand of God. Yeah! Leslie Nielsen used the words let her rip on his grave because of his love of fart jokes. Oh my goodness, there he goes again. Ernie Kovacs has the phrase nothing in moderation written on his tombstone. Ernie died while reaching for an unlit cigar he dropped while driving and then wrecking his car. He would have been cremated, but they couldn't get that lit either. Final stop on the tour, Jackie Gleason's tomb uses his famous catchphrase, and away we go. Really, Jackie? It's been almost 30 years and you're still there. His pallbearers are still trying to catch their breath. I'm the ghost of Paul Lynn, and this has been Last Laughs, a look at celebrity tombstones on the Rod and Fez show. Oh, my goodness. It might be just me, but that bit could have really used some effects. Uh, <laughs> seems like you went a little uh, light on them. Uh, hey, uh, Gus. Gus, you're on the Running Fest show. Hey, how you doing? Oh. Listen, this guy doesn't deserve the award. He's got a huge chin. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but that means he's a communist. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the The whole thing about screening calls... Screening. Screening. Should play a part into it. Uh, all right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron and Fez show. Coming up uh, later on... Well, I shouldn't probably really give out the name of the person because they're going to be with Mr. Jump Around. I think he likes to say who they are. Uh but it's going to be cool today. Let's go over here to Chris in Colorado. Hey, Chris. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Fezzy. That was a great fezzatorial, buddy. Not exactly a fezzatorial. I liked it, too. You really took on those fat cats down in Washington. No, not a fezzatorial <laughs> at whole all. Benghazi thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, you know, uh, the only reason why, I mean, uh, they have jobs is to get us jobs, you know? Without us, they wouldn't have any money, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're down there at their fancy parties. Uh, we ought to vote them out in November. Um. Hi, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, that was a fantastic presentorial. Thank you. Oh. oh, Craig in Delaware. Craig. I just wanted to jack off real quick. Go ahead. Do it. We got time. We have time for you. Hi, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Yeah, I like to ask, who is this Paul Lynn guy he was impersonating? Uh, back... Uh, many, many years ago. I mean, he's been gone for 50 years, but certainly not uh, forgotten. Uh, David, in Florida, you're on the Ron Fez show. Yeah, Leno has a big chin. He's a communist. Thank you. Peace. You're welcome. He is a communist with a very large chin. Jay Leno, our new Mark Twain award winner. Uh, Howard, have a problem today, uh, Chris? Uh, Shelby's on the phones today. Ah, oh. H- Howard. This isn't a Howard day. Oh, oh, see, 
How's the love coming in for the uh, sound effects thing? Still waiting to hear for some love. Okay. Okay. Molly, you came up with the perfect way of, like, we couldn't understand what happened to Fez's back, but you were, you brought up the crunching right. over. Are you crunched? Now he stands. He stands all the time and shifts from side to side. But his old way of being on the computer was to crunch down and look at it. And now, seriously, all night long I kept thinking, <laughs> Molly fucking solved the case, just like on Fargo. Uh, it was a it was from crunching down. He ruined his vertebrae. Mm-hmm. Put my put my mind at work. You're like the Molly from Fargo. I don't know that much about her. What's her deal? Um, she solves crimes. She's okay. a really good detective, and she's married to a mailman. And they sit on the couch and watch TV, and she becomes the chief. Okay. A lot of people were mad because she didn't get the murder in. I like that she didn't get the murder in. I actually like that part. I like Gus lighten him for. up. I don't know. Was that for me? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, Can it get further? Oh, sorry. I have no idea what you just handed me. And hopefully, our Molly doesn't get impregnated by a mailman like Fargo Molly did. Um, well, you know, but they were married. It's a nice thing. They made a nice little <laughs> family for themselves. I mean, you don't want her to stay a virgin forever after she gets married. Protection. Yep. Even in marriage, use protection. Okay. You never do, though, Chris. Why would anyone use protection? You just made two things for protections, and now you say no one should do it. You're losing an argument to yourself. It's the worst kind. Uh, Let's go over to the iBang again, see some of these memes from the headlines. Morg mistakenly donates body uh, to the teacher's lounge Kickstarter. Oh, that's nice. To the 9-11 Museum gift shop. Oh, <sighs> Molly went there. Uh. Um, dresses them as soccer fans. Hashtag World Cup my balls. <laughs> that was still going strong during the USA game. Nice. Uh, as the director for that last episode <laughs> of The Halls. No. Uh, to the set of The Halls to fill in for Vito's wooden performances. Uh, just because we're bereaved doesn't mean that we're saps. Uh, fingers and toes are headed to Fez's toenail collection. Um, New Year's Rock and Eve. Fezzy's body double at Sirius XM. Uh, new contestants for Who Wants to Date Fez Game Show. That's from Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> Carnival Cruise Ship and Red Hook. Seat fillers for the Arsenio Hall show. To Fez's apartment so his cat can actually feel like he's got a roommate. You have a cat? No. Don't even get started. He had one and took it upstate. The whole time never telling us that he did whatever he did to it. It was a ruse. Uh, yeah. Uh, it created probably the last tear. That was the last hair. Oh Tom, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, I'm wondering if Fez could have possibly read that routine any faster. I think he should stop trying to be Fez and just go on as Paul Lynn from now on. That could be his new Fez personality. It's almost a glimmer of the old Fez. Austin, you're on the run of Fez show. Why yeah, Ronnie, I want to know so how that um, 
Pepper isn't the uh, director of the halls anymore. Are Narice and Vito still going to be brother and sister at the end of it? Uh, it would be great <laughs> that if we found out that after they have <laughs> sex, that they are brother and sister. That's what I was planning on. Spoiler Make alert. Make it so goddamn hot. Bullshit, dude. You're planning on just having them sit next to each other <laughs> episode after dull episode. They might, 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 they might have made eye contact next episode. I was very happy that there was at least some other characters in this week. Yeah, there was Shelby, there was Joe, there was another kid, another intern. <laughs> He's just listed that as other, other kid. <laughs> other kid. Nice. I think Joe was just terrible in this. All right, let's watch it again. It's the halls. Do you gotta pitch the segments my producer later and I'm really bummed about it. It's awesome, dude. I can't wait to get a chance to do that. All I'm gonna do is get coffee and make lunch orders. Hey, who's that? That's an Oh, let me just tell you something. Before we get to Joe, luckily, Fez has stopped us from saying the other F word, because that's what I'd be calling Shelby right now. Because that's what you fucking acted like, like a baby sissy. They just make me get water. And he's off mic. They just make me get water for them. But the line read of Joe is hysterical. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Thanks for the 411. I thought it was very authentic. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Now I'm off to Brooklyn. <laughs> Dig? What? He was trying so hard to be sincere. Ugh. Mike, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, guys. Um, I was just driving down Jersey Turnpike. I was wondering what's the best rest stop. Jack off. <laughs> Shelby. Come on in. Come on in. Here's Shelby. How long have you been here with us, son? Uh, wow, man. First of all, you're using even the wrong mic. You made Fez just go leaping over for you. Is there a place that I can put you that you can handle? No, I was taking down the number. Is there a, a fucking place I can put you that you can fucking handle? Anywhere. Can you say, here's the place that I work best? This is where I belong. That's intern work over there. Howard, we never have a fucking problem with. He's in here every day. Yeah, it was a, he's calling in with like a different uh, number. You, then you got to be, be able to fucking be on top of it. Yeah. You got to be able to pick up his fucking voice. You got to be fucking Shelby. All right? You got to find your inner Shelby. Is this about the gland cancer? Is that what's going wrong? Because when Hicks brought me aside the other day and said that he was worried that you're sincerely sick and that's why you're so fucking awful at stuff. Is that what you were telling me, Chris? Yeah, I think something's wrong with Shelby. But, and like in Shelby's way, he won't tell us. You know, he's very closed. I want, I want to go to your doctor with you and find out what the fuck is going on. Does he have any on medication? No. Because Fez uses the medication excuse all the time. And it always gets him over. I don't make excuses. Oh, 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 that was fucking Face. strong. Oh, man. Fuck up bad, then somehow turn it back to run from. <laughs> Where can I put you? Just show me a fucking place on the map. No, I should have been there. I was. No shit. Yeah. I. 
just need to get his voice down. I was trying to get the number because we had a same number guy calling in. So I was trying to take that down. But I should get grab the voice, too. This is supposed to be the summer of Tito's. You know what I mean? This is where you find your spot in life. The summer of Tito's. This is supposed to be your summer to go to it. You know what summer it's turning out to be? Molly's. It's Molly's summer. Unluckily, she has you under her wing. Every time I'm like, I don't know about Shelby. And she's like, let me work with him a little bit. I know I can do this. Let me do the impossible again. Well, I don't know if I'm really under Molly's wing. You're under Molly's wing. You're, you're, you're under you're, Molly's protection right you're now. Firmly underneath that, dude. Yeah. Because you'd be getting your shit stomped. The only thing that's keeping you from physically getting stomped today is Molly's wing and cancer gland. That's the two things protecting you. I think if it's if, if there was cancer, it's in remission now. There's but. one more thing. How could I possibly yell at you when I didn't say anything about that bit Fez did? You have that going for you. And Molly, you were big in the Fez's bit. I am still big into Fez's bit. I thought it was good. I'll play it ten times in a row. <laughs> I don't know if we need ten <laughs> times in a row. I like that it just kept being called a Fezatorial, which he hasn't done one in fucking a decade. Old school. But they used to come in every five minutes. Um, is this going to be your summer of Tito's? Are you going to find yourself... It's going to be Summer of Tito's every day, now, every month. Here's what we were going to do t- on today's Summer of Tito's. Right. It's about facing your fears. Facing your fears. And sincerely talking about uh, facing your fears. Have you ever done that before in your life? Yeah, I don't have like a lot of fears, but in the way that like I might not tackle something I should. All right, well, I'm not even afraid of it. Do we have an opening for this, Fuzz? Yes, we do. It's time to tell us how you're living like Tito on the Ron and Fez Show. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of men's spirit comes from new experiences. Tito's handmade vodka is America's original craft vodka. No fear, no distraction. The ability to let that which does not matter truly slide. Visit them at titosvodka.com. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. I will face my fear. So that's what I'm looking for today. Somebody who has sincerely faced their fears. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, we've got uh, prizes to give out, all part of the summer of uh, Tito's, uh, just kind of making your life into what you want it to be. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, call in and win. Now, for you, Shelby, you said there was a time that you faced your fears? Yes. I used to be, like, uh, like really afraid of rodents. Really? Like... I like like I like a friend of mine. He had a something like a gerbil, but it would move like even faster. And we'd be like playing video games, and he'd come up behind me and like put it on my like shoulder, and I'd like be freaking out. I'd want to be like grab it and throw it, but like it's an animal, so I'd just like get the fuck <laughs> off. I was like running around. And you eventually got up to you were comfortable enough to put that gerbil up your ass. <laughs> 
up my ass. You didn't know that was coming? <laughs> no. I was just like, as soon as I heard Ow. gerbil, I was holding it forever. You know, I don't want to offend Fez Dickle. either. Because yeah. that's like a thing in the community. Well, it's a legend. I don't know of anyone who's actually put a gerbil up their ass. Richard Gere. A friend of mine was working at the hospital. <laughs> no way. There used to be an urban myth about Richard Gere. It went on for like so 20 years. So random. Yeah, Who I know. came up with that? Just mean fucking people. Mm. Just mean pre-internet people. Um, so you were afraid of a gerbil. Now, what did you think the gerbil would do to you? I don't know. It's like all like mice, rats. I just like this them biting me and like their little claws freaked me out. Then I, I, like, did a thing with, like, dead rats. We were dissecting them, and then I started, like, oh, maybe I could hold a live rat. And then I, I was like, oh, wait, this is not a big deal at all. So you actually went, like, as they call it, cognitive on this. Like, just do it, like, a little step at a time until now you could sleep with rats. Uh, multiple rats just covering me oh, like God. a blanket. <laughs> um, all right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, it's going to be tough to beat Shelby's uh, fear of rats. Uh, all part of the summer of Tito's, what have you done to face your fears? 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Hey, George, you're on the Run Fez Show. Hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah. Hey, Ronnie B. Um, hey, I haven't faced this fear, but I want to face it, man. I want to do uh, a stand-up bit. Uh, I've always been told that I have a little funny ha-ha in me, but I don't know how to transition that funny ha-ha to a funny ha-ha on stage. And I just want to, you know, grab some advice. I, the fact that you keep saying funny ha-ha <laughs> makes me feel like you you belong nowhere near a stage. I mean, I know you're supposed to tell people to go for it, but you just sound so ungodly unfunny. Uh, Shelby, were you nervous first time going up on stage? The first time I actually went up on stage was in front of like 500 people, and I was a little nervous. Where was that? It was a high school talent show type deal. So you, but you count that as a comedy club? That was the first time I did stand up, and then by the first time I had like gone up in front of a crowded comedy club, it was like you know a lot less people than that, so I wasn't yeah. nervous. But that guy should like go, just go to an open mic. He'll probably be terrible. Mm-hmm. Like if you have like a lot of your friends there, you might not do as bad. But I think just know. the opposite. I never would have went up in front of my friends. You know what I mean? But I've talked about this before on Unmasked. I think that going on stage the first time is more frightening to actual funny people, you know, than it is to the regular, you know, funny ha-ha guy. <laughs> who, you know, there's a lot of people who want to go on stage because they like comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I like comedy, I study comedy, so I want to go on stage. But I think the real funny person who was always funny with his friends and holding court on street corners at parties, I think it's a much tougher thing for him to do because he's like, now I'm going to let these fucking dicks judge me. You know, it's not easy at all. But you are right. It takes a long time to do. A lot of people say that they, first time they get up, they might, like, have tell people, like, this is my first time up. So, they like, a lot of people are supporting them in the audience and they're just, like, so jazzed up about it that they do great. And then they go up, like, the second and third time and just completely It's literally bomb. what happened to me. Like, the first time killed and I'm like, well, I'm on my way. 
And then I go to another club and I'm like fucking crickets. And I'm like, I'm going to grow a beard and lay down for a while. I'm so fucking pissed off right now. The whole city's going to know about yeah, this. I feel like killing every one of those pricks. Like I was just like laying there going like this. I wish I followed that fucker home. Just smashed his fucking ugly face. So I guess that's, you know, facing your fears is taking it out on others. Right. Molly, are you a, a fear-based person? Um, I don't have like, I don't have traditional fears like shelves. I don't have any phobias or anything like that. But No phobias at all? No. But I do, I think, um, like, during high school, I was really afraid of, like, arguing with my parents or, like, fighting with them or anything. Really? Yeah. And then I, towards the end of high school, I think, I mean, they probably view it differently, but I just, like, got more comfortable with the idea of us being in a fight. So you were worried about what? Like, I don't know, that they were going to, like, I don't know, be disappointed in me or something. See, I never knew there was another way for parents to feel. You know what I mean? I thought the entire point of your interaction with your parents was, to me, like sitting at the dinner table wasn't that different than being pulled over by the cops. You know what I mean? Like you have to go through a certain thing. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that immediately, <laughs> and then you know you get up, you head outside on the street, and it feels like okay, is he driven away? Good, the cop's gone. <laughs> I can go back to being myself. But you actually worried about that? Yeah, I'm close with my parents, and one of them, <laughs> you're close with your dad. Yeah, I I mean I'm close with both my parents, but, but your mom's competitive with you. Yeah, I don't. I think that she just has very, like a very high standard. In what way? Like that she uh I think that she held herself to a very high standard when she was my age. Like her her mom died when she was young, so it's sort of like Well, you didn't have that break. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a break. I'm just saying it'd have been a lot easier for you. You wouldn't have to put up with her goddamn standards. What was her standard for you to excel at something? Yeah, you know, to 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 basically like excuse my language, have my shit together. And watch the language. Honey. Sorry. <laughs> I never would expect anyone to have their shit together. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But then it, towards like towards the end of high school, I just got an understanding. Like you start to see your parents as people. You know, they're not perfect. You felt either. like you were living with teachers. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I don't have that report in, Mom. What? I just don't see how you guys have never been afraid of disappointing your parents. Mom, my parents have always been dis. My parents are still disappointed. <laughs> My dad will call me even now and just read one ads to me. You know, of course your parents are going to be disappointed in you. I mean, I, You've let them down. I, I was worried about it, but I knew there was nothing I could do about it. I'm Anything I do, will be disappointing to them. Yeah. So I'm just going to go with it. But I face my fear, basically, is what I'm trying to say. By arguing by with them? By fighting with them. <laughs> no, by just learning that it's, you know, basically what you guys learned from an earlier age you can't please them yeah well that you know that you guys might have different values and that you just can't really cater to them all the time yeah i think that the whole thing about family is these are people that can't be pleased no matter who they are hmm. what were you yeah. fighting about like i don't know stupid stuff like you know like college stuff stay out of my room mom <laughs> i'm burning incense in there Living Like Tito's, brought to you by Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled six times from 100% corn, naturally gluten-free. Visit titosvodka.com for recipes, songs, and more. Handcrafted handcrafted to be savored responsibly. Distilled and bottled by Fit Generation Incorporated, Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume. Uh, Fez overcame his fear of reading in public. He used to be afraid. Now, he can do it at a drop of a hat. 
Um, let's go over here to Sean. Sean, you're on the Run and Fest show. Hey, bro, how you doing? Good. I'm a truck driver. I'm on the road most of the day, and uh, I... Here's uh, Nate. Nate, you're on the Run and Fest show. How's it going, guys? Hey. My yeah, my fear. I had a couple of them. I was always, you know, all growing up, I was really scared of the dark. Couldn't handle being alone. Uh, you know, right after high school, I took a packed a sleeping bag, hunting knife, went up into the mountains on my four wheeler, and then hiked about you know, six, seven hours away from my four-wheeler and camped out for a couple of nights. So you, night. you just stayed out there until the fear was gone? Well, I kind of pushed out the first night and built a giant bonfire for myself. <laughs> I don't see that as pushing out. <laughs> Any caveman would do it. The second night, I went no fire, just a sleeping bag, and, you know, now it doesn't bother me. I can go out, I can camp, I can do whatever. But was it immediately after, after that that you got over your fear? Pretty much. I mean, after I, I learned then that nothing's, you know, doesn't mean anything's going to happen just because you're scared of something. You know, you can survive. You can do it. It's. I kind of learned how how small my fear, you know, seemed to me that, at that point. I say big-ass prize closet, my friend. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Hold on, buddy. You'll pick up Saving Private Ryan on DVD signed by Ed Burns. Wow, that's a great one. The great Ed Burns. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Hey, Dave. Dave, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Uh, listen, I don't even know this. How do you want to phrase this? I overcame the fear of almost getting killed in a robbery. Uh, all right. So I want to hear the story. Okay. Here's what happened. Your old stomping woods. I was getting gas. Uh, I went in. I could tell something was wrong because I was getting coffee and a few other things. Where was this happening at? This happened in Delaware County. You know the area. It's okay. Baltimore Pike. Sure. So the gas station, I pull in, my regular routine, going to get my coffee, get a snack, yada, yada. Yeah. There's two guys circling behind me. I know that there's two guys usually at the register. The one guy, you could see visibly, he's sweating bullets. I could see it right in his face, and he had a horror look on his face. So I did not get my gas yet, nor did I get my coffee. And I go, um, so I got my 80 on number two, because I could tell something was up. He goes, okay, you're good, my friend. So I leave. I go up the street, I call 911. Turns out, not only were they robbing the guys, they had the one guy tied up underneath the counter. They were gonna kill him. Wow. I was scared shitless being there. But you know what? That guy would've got killed. I went in a week later, I said, everything okay? He said, thank you. He said, you want a coffee? I said, no, I just wanna make sure you're okay. That's a true story. And let me tell you, that was a scary thing, my friend. Let me tell you something, Dave. You're spending the rest of your life as a hero now. No, nobody's a hero. You're the hero. Nope. You're a bigger <laughs> hero than Superman. You saved someone's life. Nope. Look, let me let me tell you this. You'll die. You'll go in front of St. Peter. He's going to give you a bunch of shit, and you go like this. Oh, yeah, but what about that night on Baltimore Pike? I saved that guy's life. Boom, gates swing open, swing open, you go into heaven. Fez, I, I mean not Fez, Ron, I've performed in front of a thousand people with no fear. 
at performances for mu- for musical concerts. Right. Trust me, this was a scary thing. Big ass prize closet for you, my friend. Thank you, buddy. A goddamn hero. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. What did he win, Fezzy? He wins uh, As Good As It Gets on DVD, signed by Greg Kinnear. Oh, okay. Thanks, guys. Yeah. He's the man. Well, nice gay movie for you. (laughs) I guess he overcome his gayness. Uh, I'm not going to think of... Well, Chris Stanley, I wonder what... Fear. I guess he's got a fear of success, a fear of women. Uh, how did you get over your your fear of making something out of your life, Chris? Still in the midst of that. I'm not afraid of women. I was afraid of um, talking in front of people in high school, and then my English. T- and I had to give a report on Hamlet, and I was fucking sweating bullets like the, the two <laughs> weeks leading up to it, just fucking horrified. And eventually I did it and pushed all that horrible fucking anxiety and fear down and did it. It was great. Well, I didn't even know that you had that fear. And then we, I guess it was Dave's wedding at the Hard Rock. We had yeah. all those people there. And you were like, were you just the intern then? I was just, I was an intern for like two or three months. So he was supposed to be running the 360 on this game <laughs> show. And he's standing on stage next to me. He didn't have anything to say. And I turn around. I'm like, he's fucking up just terrible. One after another. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I just see him start to <laughs> look like he's going to pass out. Like he was just swerving. <laughs> and sweat's just pouring off him. And I just go like this. Okay. Well, you're doing fine. Don't even fucking worry about it. Because I figured out, you know. Oh, yeah. He's not used to being in front of people. <laughs> I've done this a million times. I forgot some people give a shit about such things. <laughs> um, Nate, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, when I was two weeks old, I got a bad vaccine, and uh, it gave me a stroke. So I've always had a pretty severe limp on my left side. When I was a kid, if I run, I'd fall. So I've always been, my balance wasn't, wasn't great. I'm definitely afraid of heights. Well, this last weekend, some friends of mine taught me into going on a roller coaster. And I sweat, sweated bullets all the way through the line. When I got on it, I screamed just like a little girl, and uh, I was I was scared to death. But now, since I've done that, I'm like climbing ladders. I don't, you know, it's like almost compulsive. Yeah, we're going up. Let's do it. Let's go up. You know? So now you want to. Uh, yeah. but But I would say this. I think you're supposed to scream on a roller coaster. <laughs> I think that's the whole, you know what I mean? Like... I don't know how anyone would actually like that feeling of being hurtled towards the earth. You know, well, like, yeah. the, it's supposed to be like a, like, uh, well, here's what a roller coaster is based on, which we don't even think about this anymore. Just a runaway train. So when they were made, they were like, how can, because they used to have runaway trains. So they would go, how can we make, it's almost like if you were to have a game show now, uh, like a ride that would be just about a car accident. That you'd be traveling fast and rolling over. All right, we're hearing a lot of these. Now we got some time to kill Fez Watley and his fears. <laughs> and there's quite a few. Oh, there's so many of them. Which one are you most proud to stand up to? Uh, the most proud was um, when I finally came out to you. Really? Yeah, because I don't know why that was so... That was the stupidest fear, because I knew I was safe. 
I knew nothing bad was going to happen, but I could not, and I, I, I don't even think I did that day, say the words, I'm gay. I could not make myself say it. You said the gay thing. But really, Fez, yours... Uh, your airplane fear, which you've never really got over, but the fact that you're willing to still get on airplanes, I find to be really amazing. That was my second one with a phobia. I have never not gotten on a plane because I figure, as scared as I was, and like I've I've thrown out, I've thrown up on the runway walking out to a plane before. So scared of it. That but, seems a lot bigger than the gay thing. But I, I just always thought if there's a time where I let myself not get on the plane and go somewhere. Have you ever not made a trip because, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, I, I know once you, you've decided to get the plane, you get on it. But uh-huh. have you ever thought, no, nah, I'm not going to go on that trip. I just don't want to. No, I came close. I went to Vegas. And almost didn't go on that because I'm like, there's no way I'll survive a five, six hour plane trip. There's no way I can be on board a plane up in the air for that long. Do you like play what might happen like over and over in your head? Or is oh, like- I know exactly what will happen. We'll, we'll take off and we'll run into another plane that's coming into the airport. And I'll wa- it'll be the scene from Fight Club where he's ju- the whole plane just opens up right in front of him. And he's just seeing nothing but open sky right there. Who's seeing open sky? I think, I think like in the opening scene of Fight Club, Ed Norton, the plane blows up. Oh, okay, so that's what you're going to say. Yeah, that's okay. what I always imagine happening. Um, here's our buddy John and Mass. You're on the Run Fest show. Hey, buddies. Um, I don't know how that guy could compare that gas station story to finding and returning someone's cell phone. <laughs> I mean, that's a I, real hero. You, Ronnie. Well, the thing is about this... I mean, I got a cab, and there was a cell phone in there. And I was just going to chuck it out the windows and try to, you know, throw it at a pedestrian. <laughs> but at the last second, I found the hero inside myself. And I called the home number on it and had the guy meet me at work. And I handed him that cell phone. That could It could have been anybody showing up there, too. Like- well, you know what? Here's the thing, too. That guy could have needed a heart transplant, and I gave him that phone, like a hero, I guess. Like the biggest hero in the history of the world. I mean, I never thought I would be a bigger hero than the troops and the 9-11 firefighters. And then I turned out to be one by returning a cell phone. And, you know, sometimes returning a cell phone... For people, it's like rescuing a drowning baby or running into a fire and taking out an old lady. That's their cell phone. My cell phone (laughs) was actually a cell phone. Like, that's some people's life link. I mean, who knows how long it would take them to get those contacts back? Well, yeah, because this was pre-smartphone. So there wasn't any way to figure out where it was. You didn't have it backed up or anything? No, there was no backup on it. His life would have been ruined, and you saved it. And I know, I did. And, you know, just a little FYI, I jerked on it, so the next time he picks it up and talks into it, he has to deal with that. So, you know. You're welcome. To, to quote Davy Mack, face. <laughs> now who's the winner? Chris, now who's the winner? You tell me. <laughs> are, you, are you afraid to fucking talk in front of people again? I'm not afraid. What did you do the report on? If I remember correctly, Hamlet. 
Or it might have been Macbeth. <laughs> it was like this. <laughs> Hamlet was a pretty good guy. He did the best he could. A lot of people liked Hamlet, but he didn't like them so much. I wish I was Hamlet. And I think I am. I think I'm Hamlet. My favorite thing was once when I was a fucking kid, this girl was reading her report in front of the, the class, and I don't know what it was. It was like on Egypt or something. And she was like, Egypt is the greatest country in the world. They export uh, this. See illustration. She just fucking, she, <laughs> she copied so much, she wrote the term see illustration. Okay, cut and paste. Good fucking job. You get a C. Yikes. Uh, Dan, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, buddies. Hey, hey buddy. Ronnie, how about that one time that uh, you retraced Fez's steps when he lost that ring? Now, that's a fucking hero, man. That was me doing Molly-type detective work where Fez came back and he was sobbing. This is a couple years ago. And, like, he can't even catch his breath. He's crying so hard. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? So he had lost his dad's ring. And his dad had been murdered uh, the year before by his son putting him on a bad betting um, during a vacation. <laughs> Fez's dad was forced to sleep on a futon and died from internal injuries. Are you serious? Very. Uh, so, I guess, did you pull the ring off your dad's finger? Well, yeah, I got it before they closed the casket. Okay. Yeah, that's pulling it off his finger. Um some people would call that a heist. <laughs> grave you know? robbery. It is. It's a grave robbery. Well, at least you didn't dig it up before you got it. So he's crying, and I'm like, well, let's think about everything you did. And then he was, you know, because he had, when Fez's dad died, I mean, there was, he was just constant tears for a long, long time. Just really gut-wrenching tears. And uh, he had been at his shrink, so I'm like, I go over the whole day with him, and I'm like, I'm like a kid detective, I go, it's in the couch at your shrink's <laughs> office. He goes over there, fucking pulls back the couch apart, and it's laying in there. Nice. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, it's gigantic, and I felt like a detective. <laughs> I felt like Encyclopedia Brown. And yet, you know, no awards for me, you know, matter of fact, it never even comes up. You think you would be bringing it up a lot, but I forgot you were so crushed when your dad died. You took two weeks off of work mm -hmm. and then came in crying. Like two <laughs> weeks later, he comes in through the door, sobbing, crying all day. It went on for like months. It was nonstop. I had my head under a blanket on the plane ride back. Why? Blowing a guy next to him. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was crying on the plane, Molly. Why wouldn't you just go with the blow thing? And you know, like mm. people would have thought you were gay. Wait, why? Mm. Did, why did you mm. want to cover your head though when you were crying? Because you didn't want people to see you crying. Well, I did. Yeah, because people aren't used to seeing that. <laughs> but people see you with a, a blanket <laughs> over your head. That's probably like why don't you just draws put the, even more why do you put the mustache over your head? <laughs> <laughs> then it looks like I'm sleeping. Otherwise, it looks like I know something about the engines that the other passengers just oh, aren't geez. aware of. Wait, there were Indians on the plane? <laughs> engines. Yes. Engine. Plane engines. Like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you guys folded that. Yeah, I know. Because he doesn't understand that he's saying engines. <laughs> engines. Engine? 
Yeah, that's the fucking saliva that has the problem. What's the score of this game? We nailed up? Zero to zero. Yeah. Nailed up. Yeah, why even fucking show up if this is going to be your game? Ivory Coast. Well, really a great name, though. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Alex, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Yeah. Um, I got a long story, but I'll, I'll try and keep it short for you. But basically, I was having a party in my apartment in college. And um, all guys I knew, all, all people I knew, about 20 of them. And um, next thing you know, there's a knock on the door, and these two kids I don't know, uh, kind of ghetto looking, but um, they're both holding bottles, so, and they just want to party, so I let them into the room. And it didn't turn out too bad, you know, the party went well, but um, it got late, so I kicked everyone out, and I wanted to go grab a sandwich. So I went back to bed, and I'm locking the door behind me, everyone's left. And um, basically, they come back up to me, and they, um, they're like, hey, we brought seven bottles of this party. We want to get back in your room and get them. And I, and I was afraid. I thought they were going to, like, steal stuff from me. So I, did, I wasn't going to let them in. Next thing you know, one of the kids pulls a gun out at me. And he's just like, let me into the room. So I get real calm. You know, I let him into the room. And um, and they go in there, and they see their empty bottles on the table. And, it, and they said, all right, man, we're cool, we're cool. So we walk out of the room, and we're going back downstairs. All the people that I just kicked out at the bottom of the stairs, it turns into a whole, whole ordeal. And they just... And the next thing you know, the kid just takes out the gun and shoots it into the crowd of my friends. No one gets hurt or anything, but we all just scatter and run. And that has to be the scariest moment I've ever faced in my entire life. Just like you see in the movies when um, people like are faced with a gun and stuff, and they're they like they're brave and they look the guy in the eye. I, you can't do that. I could not do that. But I do agree I'm with you that right that calmness falls under you. I had the same kind of situation happen a couple of times, and it's weird how calm you feel. You almost feel good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. There must be something that's released, but it's such a comfortable feeling. I was working at a place where a guy came in, and he was like a fucking crazy person, and pointed a shotgun at me and started screaming about fucking respect. You know, him needing respect, and I'm like, you do need respect. That's the most important thing. And I don't know what happened to him somewhere along the fucking line, but I was even trying to give him money from the register, and he goes, I'm just tired of being fucked with. And I go, me too, dude can't fucking believe the shit you and I have to put up with in this world. It's not fucking fair. You know, but I just remember f- never feeling... And then there was another time this fucking kid had gotten beat up, right? Uh, so where a bunch of us were hanging out, he got his fucking ass beat by this friend of mine, and then he <laughs> he had his you know his belt and shit taken off. Like so, his dad comes back later, and I'm young at the time, I'm like sixteen or seventeen. I'm drunk as a fuck, and his dad shows up, gets out of the car, and I jump into his dad's face. I was doing this whole thing, and everybody like after he left, I was like, "What is wrong with you, dude? He could have fucking blasted you." And I'm Wait, like, "What did you say to his dad?" I was just fighting with him and giving him shit, but the whole time the guy. He's fucking holding this gun at his fucking thigh. And I like, just thought that I had fucking balls of fucking steel. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, gun? <laughs> Fuck. Where was it? Where was that gun that whole time? Maybe we should just have somebody holding a gun on Fez, like, during the whole show. Well, look at him now with the physical pain. He hasn't had a panic attack since his neck went out. Every day in here, he would have a panic attack, and he doesn't anymore. Mm. He just worries about his neck pain. So what we ought to do is every time he has a panic attack, just go over and hit him with a nail with a, a fucking hammer or something. 
it goes to show you there's no such th- real things as a panic attack. It's a completely made up thing. Do you feel like that, Fez? Do you feel like the pain like distracts you? It feels uh, there's a lot of times where it feels like the only thing I could possibly think of. Hmm. Like my mind won't process one other p- item. So that's what you need to think of when you're having a panic attack. To find the same kind of thing that you have now with your pain. Because it's not real. There's nothing has changed other than the pain of that. No. But your your situation hasn't changed at all. So when you have, a, after you get your neck fixed and you start having a panic attack, we'll just say, oh, bullshit, you're fine. <laughs> we can just tase him. Like, low voltage, but enough to, you know, wake him up. Um, hey, Artie. Artie, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. How you doing? Good. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was like, I guess, it happened like when I was about six years old. I used to be scared to death of trucks. Anytime a large truck would come down the street, I would dive behind bushes. I would run off my bike right behind the house. And then finally, I guess when I was like 13 years old, one day trying to get in the car, a truck was coming by and I said, okay, I can't run away from here. So I just stood there and it went by and nothing happened and that, that was it, cured. Just when you just figured out, boom. This is what a truck is, you know? Yep. This is what they do. Yeah, I don't know why. I thought they were going to come up on the sidewalk, run me over, and kill me or something. I have no idea, but I was petrified of them for, like, five years. It's the it's the weirdest thing. Like, you always wonder how those fears get to you when you're a little kid. Like, why you can put up with one thing and not another. Um There's a thing up on Fox News that says that NYPD is using social media to track down youth gangs. In other words, you fucking young people are so idiotic. (laughs) You just put all your dumb shit up on Instagram until the cops come and get you. I've like read some of like the little transcripts that they got, and it's like a miracle that they even were able to catch him because I can't understand anything that they're writing. Well, they have somebody there that speaks ghetto. Somebody can pull that off. All right, we got a break here, Fezzy. Yep, this was brought to you by Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled six times from 100% corn, is and it's naturally gluten-free. Visit titosvodka.com for recipes, songs, and more. Handcrafted to be savored responsibly. Distilled and bottled by Fifth Generation Incorporated, Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume. And the guy who thinks the terms redskins is bad does use the term engines. <laughs> it's the Ron and Fez show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog. XM Channel 99. Ron is a Philly guy. Wakes up in the morning hoping Fez maybe really died. Hicks stays really high. Shelf has pretty eyes and lips like Lily Tide. Ron does the world's best interviews. Hicks drinks too much and will continue to. And Shelby's got DSLs. And you won't hear Fez until the live read interludes. If he talks, it's probably not new shit. Somebody's in the bathroom, he's probably not pooping. Hicks went to college, so he's probably not stupid. Shelby's got a bad gland, he's probably got lupus. This is like a rap version of an unscreened phone Stick call. movie raps, bro. Yeah. Digging that Ron and Fez show. Fez is all weird and sad Digging that one and Fez show Never no turning back Never, never, no, never no turning back 866-10-FEZ Fez, 
announce who the winners is. Hicks can't do it cause he can't pronounce Bennington. Bang that. Ronnie, what you give him so much shit for? Cause he's a shitty mentor in the center. What the fucking fuck? Fez used to play a gay character. Now he's the oldest virgin in North America. He sits quiet as a cat bird To get him talking callers say the other F word Fashion And then it turns to the advice show Blame it on his mom like the murder movie Psycho And people start to add theories He stands in the booth so he can fart and act clearly Came out the closet then he starts to act weirdly Now he has a breakdown and a heart attack yearly Digging that Ronnie Fat show Shelby's got rotten glands Digging that Ronnie Fat show Never no turning back, never, never, no, never no turning back. Yeah, shout out to Blowhard, Andy from Cleveland, uh, John from wherever he's from, and shout out everybody. Janice, what up? Uh, Sarah McPants, what's up? Liz Sets Fire, Trek of Love, yeah. Everybody but Lady Trucker, everybody but her. Continue to ban Lady Trucker forever, please. All right, that's Open Mike Eagle, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It is the Ron and Fez show uh, on a Thursday. Um, And, um, you know, I got to tell you this, Fez. I know that you were very happy with your bit today, right? Your tombstone bit. Yes. The listeners have taken it upon themselves to start their own hashtag, hashtag Fez's Tombstone. Um, yeah, every once in a while, my phone just lets me know what system I'm on. <laughs> yes, that's what you're on. Thank you, Siri. Um, but uh, I didn't know this was going to go down this way, uh, but hashtag Fez's Tombstone is out there. All right, this doesn't sound real cheery for someone who's going under the knife in a few weeks. Well, see, I think that was the bit that you did all those kind of anti-tombstone things. Mm -hmm. They got my neck still hurts, hashtag Fez's tombstones. Uh, The gayest finishing move in wrestling is the hashtag Fez tombstone. Uh, Standalone fruit, hashtag Fez tombstone. Uh, Maybe I should have gotten my Smoke detector fixed. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Uh, he'll never be angry again. Or he'll be the angriest ghost ever. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Um, he's still working on resolving the on-demand app issue. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Um, But I only had 17 three-month contracts. I wanted 18, damn it. Hashtag Fez's Tombstone. My smoke detector is still chirping. Uh, hashtag Fez's Tombstone. Here lies the man, the man of a thousand live reads. Hashtags Fez's Tombstone. Why am I still anxious? Hashtag Fez's Tombstone. All right, just for the record, I don't want any of these on my tombstone, Ron. Don't pick one and have it engraved. Remember when I said pack rack? rack hashtag Fez Tombstones. I'll never change this shirt again. Fez, hashtag Fez Tombstone. I think the hospital's getting... I th- They think I'm in the hospital getting another stent. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. 
Great news, my arm stopped hurting. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. More people showed up at Eleanor Rigby's funeral. Hashtag Fez's Tombstone. So I feel bad about that, Fez. It's not even planned with us. No, that, there was no I'm, intention there. I'm going to be with my cat. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. One just says, Hashtag World Cup My Balls. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. <laughs> I'm not dead. I'm just living with my aunt in Niagara Falls. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. This is another reason to be cremated, so I don't end up with a tombstone with one of these on it. Just a pile of ashes and ten little stents. The Back to Nature Boy Woo, hashtag Fez Tombstone. I wish this happened ten years ago, hashtag Fez Tombstone. That's what happens in this life. Sometimes they hashtag you with your tombstone. That's what you always say. Yeah, we can't say it in some bad taste after that bit. That ran earlier. I like the bit. That we just uh, attack dead people who left funny tombstones for some reason. Um, I'm taking some of these down. I mean, they're great suggestions just in case something happens. What about this one? Master Umbrella Thief. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Um, Blake in Wisconsin. Blake in Wisconsin. You're on the run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. You know, the other day, uh, Chris Stanley, that degenerate, said that those guys named their kids after the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. So I was uh, telling my sister about that, and I went on the internet to find out it was a hoax. And, you know, I expect Carney shit from you, but I know he's just lazy. Yeah, he's lazy. I think yeah. They got me. They got me this time. I thought it was for real. Uh, yeah, but when they get you for being stupid, and then you get us... You know, that's not the way we run a show. We're all assholes. Thank you. (laughs) We're all assholes. Thanks to you. You're like the fucking outbreak of assholeness. You can go on demand to hear me fuck that up with Blue (laughs) Tuesday show. That's running Fez on demand. You've become the new Fez of just fucking force feeding uh, a live read into into a conversation. Digging that around a Fez show. So please do not follow the listeners into the hashtag Fez Tombstone. This is not a sanctioned hashtag bit. Not at all. all. No. I'll just let me just throw mine out. He put the DA in the word dead. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Because of dead air. Dead air. Yeah, you still wouldn't make the fucking say. Ah. I won't let you. <laughs> Lonely lunch eater. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Outlived by the apocalypse casserole. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Um, um, that's all I got. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Try getting those 27 dinners now. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Died a virgin. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Bury me face down so I might actually get laid. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Dead man certs and soup. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Damn it, the soul, the shoulder surgery didn't work. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Tuned to 88.7. They hear the Fez death theme by Mike Eagle. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. He's turkey trotting with the angels now. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. 
Now my life matches my career. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Never found his kiwi. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Uh, I just don't think that they should go off on their own and make up an unsanctioned hashtag like this. I don't think it's right at all. Why don't you play your funny bit again? Maybe people will get around to loving it. Too hard to do, right? Frozen again. That's great. I wonder why we never keep them on these. I should have brought that up at every meeting. Uh, hey, Kevin. Kevin, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey. Uh, the good news is I can't hear my smoke detector in here. Hashtag Fez is Tombstone. See ya. Chirp. Chirp. Priest that virginity thrust upon them. I'm a, I'm a virgin afraid of the world. Hashtag Fez's Tombstone. Uh, and, and that's all I got. Hashtag Fez's Tombstone. Uh, if you find this still in Northern Virginia, please forward to Florida. Hashtag Fez's Tombstone. I finally got laid. To rest, that is. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Force-feeding live reads since 2012. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Um, Shanked by a twink. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. I'd rather be buried in Northern Virginia. Hashtag uh, Fez Tombstone. Standalone fruit. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. I'm still locked up in a coffin. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. All right, you unfreeze your uh, thing, Fez? We got it. All set to go. Hello, Graveyard fans. It's the ghost of Paul Lynn to take you on a tour of some funny tombstones of dead funny people. And who better to do this than a dead comedian? The rumor is I died doing poppers while getting anal. Cause of death? Pool boy. <laughs> Why are you screaming? It was my ass. Oh my goodness. Jack Lemon's grave simply says Jack Lemon with the word in written right above the ground, marking his final appearance. If only he and Walter Matthau could have been buried together, they'd be the sod couple. Man of a thousand voices, Mel Blanc, used his famous Porky Pig catchphrase on his tombstone. That's all, folks. I'm surprised he was able to be buried in a Jewish cemetery while quoting pork. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield's grave reads, There goes the neighborhood. They should have used this famous Caddyshack line. Hey, we're all gonna get laid. Yeah, out in a grave, Rodney. <laughs> Dorothy Parker was cremated in one of the epitaph, excuse my dust. No one should be able to disturb your final resting place by sneezing, Dorothy. George Burns and Gracie Allen are buried with the words, Together Again on their grave marker. Prime location, Gracie. Buried on the right hand of God. Leslie Nielsen used the words, Let her rip on his grave because of his love of fart jokes. Oh my goodness, there he goes again. Ernie Kovacs has the phrase, Nothing in moderation, written on his tombstone. Ernie died while reaching for an unlit cigar he dropped while driving and then wrecking his car. He would have been cremated, 
But they couldn't get that lit either. Final stop on the tour, Jackie Gleason's tomb. Uses his famous catchphrase, and away we go. Really, Jackie? It's been almost 30 years and you're still there. His pallbearers are still trying to catch their breath. I'm the ghost of Paul Lynn, and this has been Last Laughs, a look at celebrity tombstones on the Rod and Fez show. Oh my goodness. Uh, hey, Mike. Mike, what do you got? Mike in New York? Yeah. Hey, buddy. Uh, and that's the end of our Fez talk. Hashtag Fez's Tombstone. Steve in South Carolina. Steve, we got you? Yeah. You there? Yes, I am. Yeah, another virgin for Al-Qaeda. Hashtag Fez's Tombstone. Um, Carl in Westchester. Tomb of the Unblown Soldier, Fez Tombstone. <laughs> These aren't even supposed to be happening. This is not an official hashtag. The Tomb of the Unblown Soldier is pretty good. Um, let's read some more of these. First and last time I ever got into a hole. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Uh, I miss Shelby. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Oh, that's nice. Found the penny, picked it up. Thanks, Dad. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Still by myself. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. That'll show him. Fa- hashtag Fez Tombstone. Scout by a plane engine. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Shelby does that. Um... He never let life get to him. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Cookie, 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 kiss. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Bits over. Let me out of that casket. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Will he be buried in a lettuce wrap? Hashtag Fez Tombstone. And then... Uh, Queen Elizabeth bragging about starting the hashtag Fez Tombstone. You and her didn't get off to the best uh, start, huh, Fezzy? No, and people have been talking about me dying for years, Queen Elizabeth. So don't go patting yourself on your shoulders. What do you mean by that? Giving herself a pat on the back. Why would you say shoulders? Because she could only reach that far. (laughs) Doesn't make sense. She's not a large person. Hey, uh, Chris. Chris, you're on the Run Fest show. Yeah. Uh, it ain't a long fruit. Hashtag, there's a two so. Uh, Bob, you're on the Run Fest show. Fez, now he's a standalone fruit. Hashtag, there's tombstone. Frank, New Orleans. Dead air. Thanks, God. Hashtag, there's tombstone. Well, at least it's not trending, Fez. You got that going for you. It shouldn't be. You're being really tight with your words. Really, really tight. Chris, in New Jersey, you're on the Run of Fez show. Finally found the old dirt highway. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. That's kind of sick. 
I don't know why you guys make up so many things for ass sex fest. Why don't you just say ass sex? I think that's the straight people doing it. Talking about ass sex. I don't think it's the gays actually bringing up things like dirt road. Boy, all those cheeseburgers were really worth it. Hashtag Fez uh, Tombstone. It's a, it's a, it's a standalone grave. Hashtag Fez uh, uh, Tombstone. There's no way Shelburne Hicks play Undertaker's music. Good job, Howard. Oh, this is in the middle of it. I finally used the grinder app. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Do we really need to dig six feet? Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Fez, but hashtag Fez Tombstone is now trending. The Ron and Fez Show is now trending nationwide. Someone's going to look up and see that that knows you or watched uh, that 70s show <laughs> and they're going to panic. Isn't it weird that when you're not even the most famous Fez? You know, you have the name Fez, yeah. and there's still more famous Fez than you. Mm-hmm. Which which Fez came first? I did. I don't think so. Yes. 
I remember you came up because I remember you were Todd, and then you're like, "Hey, Ron, have you seen that '70s show? There's a really great character on there." And I go, "No, I have never seen it." And the next day, you're like, "Call me Fez. It's for foreign ex- exchange student." Well, you're trending, Fez. You ought to be proud of yourself. This is not a good way to be trending when people are writing out your tombstone. Uh, Pat in Cleveland. Hey, I told you those twinks would get me. Hashtag Fez's tombstone. Everybody likes that one. Uh, let's see him fart himself awake this time. He died a virgin. The... Uh, which means he never really lived. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. That one kind of has to hurt, huh? That one, yeah, that one has bite to it. Now more silent than ever. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. He's still getting the same amount of hair airtime. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Here lies Fez Marie, born 1932, K-Corn shut forever. 2014. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Um... I'm not going to say that one. Roast it and cremate it daily. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Here lies a man who never once grabbed the stick. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. What's this one? Death or Glory. Um, born this way, died this way. Asexual. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. No one's ever buried a piece of shit this deep. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Molly, you're doing a really good job of not laughing even once. Thanks. And I'm actually getting people complaining that you laugh too much on the show. Really? But today... I give you all the credit in the world. You won't give up to any of the Fez haters. Yeah. Because you were his wingman on that bit. Right. I was. Too many blueberry and cake horns. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Still no laugh out of you. Here I lie, like a stent in the earth. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. First a Rams fan and now this. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. All right, try this one. Don't queer the reaper. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Too bad people won't remember me like Casey Kasem. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. My leaking diabetic feet will fertilize a bunch of plants. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Nothing. That's gross. This box is bigger than my apartment. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Fine. Say it. Died alone fruit. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Nothing, huh? Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand strong for Fez. Now doing live reads for C- Satan's East Coast tour. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. I really did blow Shelby. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Jesus needed some live reads. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. I was the first Fez. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. It was Sam. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. He did 10 stents on earth. 
Time for a stit in hell. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. This is not an official tombstone. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Nothing. Nothing at all from you. I'm, I, I want to keep my, you know, I want to support Fez. Here lies Fez. The only way he could be stiff be next to another man. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Don't let them do this to us, Ronnie. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. None of these work for you, huh? Nope. Trending in the USA. It's kind of good. Uh, Dave in Columbus. Here lies Odd Todd in his prize closet. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Andrew in Jersey. Heaven needed another fairy. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Sean, you're on the running Fez show. Just stick down four inches, boy, so I can finally be buried balls deep. Hashtag Fez's Tombstone. Nothing? Ma? No. They write, you laugh at the, and you won't laugh at one of the listeners. Uh, Snowy, you're on the Run of Fez show. Locked up for good. Fez, hashtag Fez Tombstone. Uh, Tim, Illinois. Hey, where did, that, where did that airplane engine come from? Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Um, Bob, you're on the Run of Fez show. I finally fuck a twink, and he has AIDS. Hashtag Fez's Tombstone. Andrew, you're on the Run of Fez show. She was a standalone fruit. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Jesse, you're on the Run of Fez show. Michael in the Bronx, you're on the Run of Fez show. At least my cable works better down here. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. There's a lot of them, Fez. You ended up trending, which is kind of cool for you. The Ron and Fez Show is now trending nationwide. Here's one that just simply says, out of the closet and into the ground. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. That came from GVAC. Paul Orndorff yelled at me. Now I have his arm. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. You can run on. Ron, please take care of my toenails. They're in Pringles can in my apartment. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Ron still never got his umbrella back. I win. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Here I lie like I've done my whole life. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Here's one that simply says rest and piss. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. I hate that one. Give me six months, I won't smell this bad. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Mikey D always wins in the end. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Here lies a man who lied about everything. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Still an, still an annoying piece of crap. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. His death killed Molly's laugh. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Nothing. Stay strong, Molly. Thanks, Fez. <sighs> Rest in peace, Molly's laugh. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. They told me Ronnie was dead. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. That comes from Ro. Remember Ro? Oh, can't stand Ro. 
Roe. Thought we always liked Roe. No Roe fan. We never had a fallout with Roe. We didn't? No. Are you sure? I'm 100% sure. I must be remembering someone else. It's Roe. I told you the prostate exam was a little rough. Hashtag fest tombstone. How about this one, Molly? You ready? Roofied and mouth fucked. Hashtag. As Liz says, fire made you laugh. Molly. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. You're not going to get past Liz says fire. <laughs> this is so graphic. Yes. Roofied and mouth fucked is graphic, honey. That's why it's trending. Uh, Mark, you're on the Run of Fest show. Uh, yeah, born straight, died gay. Who cares? He didn't get laid either way. Hashtag Fed Tombstone. That's actually so truthful that it's sad to me. It was a rhyme, though. Can I get a dead man cert? Or as you know, just call it Fez a cert? <laughs> uh, hey, Drew, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Molly, yeah. you finally got my chair. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Fred, you're on. Fred in Oklahoma. Hi. We have never touched this book, guys. Can I please come in? Hashtag Fences Tombstone. Michael in Iowa. My one true love, Don Cumia, Anthony's sister. Hashtag says Tombstone. How about this one? See if this gets you at all. Here lies Fez Watley. He saw London. He saw France. He sniffed Lady Trucker's underpants. Ow! All right, she's back. <laughs> she's back. How about this one, Molly? Now I can finally watch Ron shower. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. <laughs> what? Reunited. With, there's a lot of people that think that Fez is fucked up because he's in love with me. Oh, okay. But we've never proven that, and Fez has never admitted to it. Hmm. You said you never jacked to me before, right, Fez? No, I've never jacked to you. Thank you. <laughs> I never thank you for anything before, but that I do. I don't know why you're even laughing. I couldn't be more fucking serious. Uh, people really got into this, huh? Here lies 1,000 unfinished bits. Hashtag Fez uh, Tombstone. But when I heard that bit today, I'm like, why didn't I let him quit when he wanted to? I liked the bit. It was a finished bit. Yeah. It was good. It was finished. It was it a was finished produced. bit. Overproduced. I'd go so far to say completely overproduced. So far that you didn't even get to hear the fucking punchlines. Just crazy. <laughs> Remember this one, Molly? Roofied and mouth fucked. <laughs> it's Still, like, Molly. You're laughing I'm sorry. Fucking... I'm sorry. I'm. Fez, listen. This is. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with people that are laughing, laughing at you. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Um, this says you don't have to stick up for. Him. Oh, this is from Liz Sets Fire. You don't have to stick up for him, Molly. He'll turn on you one day too. I feel like me and Fez are pretty close. We are tight. Ro used to feel that way. Here I lie, 
broken hearted, blew a stent, and then departed. Um, I always treasured those rides with Mikey D. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Do not engrave that on a tombstone. <laughs> no jury in the world could convict Ron for this. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Yeah, you're already getting the uh, the bots in there. How do the bots know what's trending, and how do they jump into it, Hicks? Well, they have software that could see that counts actually hashtags in real time of hashtags all over Twitter. And then when they see something getting steam, they jump in so people can see the bots. So when you search the hashtag, so these hashtags just—I mean, these bots just jump on any hashtag. Yeah. To get to get their um that tour. where's our guest today? Uh, coming up, they just signed in downstairs. They're coming up right now. That, that's late for him. No, he he's here. His his guest was just signed in. I'm sure he's very he was very worried up until that moment. Um, Jeffrey Gurian is going to be in with uh, truly one of my favorite people in the world. Eddie Brill. Eddie's uh, done the warm-up for the David Letterman show forever. And he's uh, really one of the funniest people and one of the nicest people you ever want to meet. You liked that boy yesterday, huh? Yeah, I did. I thought he was funny. Pete Davidson? Yeah. I thought he was good. And then he brought up girlfriend and it just ruined you. Yeah, I was, I was like, darn it. You ready to bounce back, though, after your Israeli boyfriend? <laughs> yeah. I'm single and ready to mingle. Yeah, but you don't want to mingle too much. Right. No, I won't. Then you get that nickname that you don't want. Right. No, I keep it classy for sure. They're going to call you a mingle whore. <laughs> mm. I finally gave Ron a good gift. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Here lies Fez. Died of consumption. Of that dick... Hashtag Fez Tombstone. <laughs> Living like Tito, if Tito were a corpse. <laughs> Hashtag Fez Tombstones. Here's one that just says, What's in the box? Hashtag Fez Tombstone. You guys are right. This dead air does stink. Hashtag Fez Tombstone. Are you not going to uh, laugh at it anymore, Molly? I'm going to try not to. All right, here's one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Shit, fuck, fart. Hashtag Fez's tombstone. We going to break before Gurian, or let's break right now. We'll be right back with Jeffrey Gurian. He likes to jump around on a Fez show. Jeffrey Gurian is in 
studio with us with literally one of my favorite people on the planet <laughs> because there's a, a lot of funny people out there, but very fun, few funny people who keep an eye out for other funny people. Eddie Brill is in today. How you doing, my I'm man? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Uh, you're, you know, one of my favorite... Uh, We've had a lot of fun times together. One yeah. of them was we talking about Bill Hicks. Yeah. One of the greatest days of our lives, I think. We had an amazing time together. And then we had one time where we talked about Last Comic Standing that kind of went viral. It was really right. nice. We had a really honest conversation with that. So not only we've had fun as comics, right. but uh, telling the truth on the, on the I way. forgot the Bill Hicks panel that we did. It's fantastic. Which, um, th- there was that documentary on his life, but just really sit down and try to figure out what happened there you know right. what i mean what you know what was the that thing about him and still it's tough to get your arms around isn't it just he told the truth yeah. you know that's the key he told the truth he he wasn't looking for approval yeah that was the key the same thing with prior you know there was one time when i was you know i remember it was a gray rainy day and i was sick of my act which is every day you know, <laughs> you know? and i was like oh i really i need to be inspired so i went across the street because there used to be a video store across the street and i got a prior dvd and i got a hicks dvd and it changed my life you know it really did i just saw both of them they didn't really care <clears throat> you know they care of course you know you want applause you want right. laughter you want that but they just told the truth and they didn't it wasn't for approval and uh and that's what i think hicks did you know, and he was so loved in Europe because in Europe it's that it's that no BS thing that they have over there. Yeah, uh, they don't want. I'll tell you a great story about England. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I went to England for the first time in 1989. Uh, a friend of mine's uh, wife gave birth prematurely, and I went over to the comedy store to do a set. So I have a 10 minute set, and every all the comedians are like, no, won't even look at me, arms folded. You know, we're not going to accept this guy. And I go up to the MC to give him my intro, and he looks at me like, you know, screw you, and I'm like what? Then the owner goes to me and says, look, you have 10 minutes, and you better do 10 minutes, not like all those other Americans who go over and go over. I'm like, okay. And so I give the intro to the guy, and he looks at me horribly. And then I all of a sudden, I'm about to go on. There's a guy named Jim Tavari. He's on right before me. He plays the uh, stand-up bass, and the crowd goes nuts as a music act. Mm-hmm. Without even an intro, in the other guy's laughter and applause break, he says, Eddie Brill. So now the audience <laughs> doesn't even know who I am, Just where like I'm that. from, Just whatever. Like okay. Yeah, George during the other guy's <laughs> outro. And I go up on stage, and the first thing I do is, it's great to be here in London, which is typical American. Yeah. Pander, 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 which I've learned not to do anymore. Um, and the guy yells, oh, bullshit! The guy yells, and I go, all right, it smells like piss, and it blah, 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 big laugh. And then, boom, I do my time, the light comes on, I do another minute, good night, the crowd goes nuts, I had the luckiest first set I can ever have. So the owner comes and hugs me, and, oh, you were great, and you can work the rest of the week. So every day I'm there, and I sit in the green room, and that other the MCs there and the other comics and they're they're still cold by the end as the week goes on they start being nicer so the the MC come at the third day says look uh, I just want to say we really appreciate you you know you're the only comedians ever sat in the green room with us all the other Americans they come with their managers and they sit at the bar and they avoid us and I said all right now that we're being all lovey-dovey and everything what was this uh, thing when I gave you, you know, the intro? The, uh, he goes, intro? What are you talking about? He, I said, I told you about, yeah, I gave you something. He says, I thought you were bragging to me. He <laughs> says, I, I thought you came up to me and just started telling me about your career, and I don't know you. I don't give a shit, you know? And I said, bragging? That's what we do. He says, why would you give yourself an intro and set yourself up for failure? Yeah. We just bring people up because if you're here at the comedy store, you must be funny. And if you're not funny, the audience will know right away because they won't be laughing. 
nothing. Right. And I went, wow. And then when I came back to the United States, I realized there's so much pandering in the crowds where we want applause breaks for no reason whatsoever. We're always like, hey, let's let's hear it for old people. They don't get a break. Yeah. And it's like, and after a while, so, and the my favorite one is let, give yourselves a round of applause for coming out tonight. And the audience yeah. is like, what are you talking about? We've gone out before. We don't need to <laughs> applaud ourselves for it. Yeah. We know how to go out, shut up and do your act. Or when people say, let's hear it for the troops. It's like, wait a second. Don't get your applause on the troops hard work. You know, but it's interesting how that happens. It's very so, standard here these days. Yeah. So many people do that. Yeah. I always like the story. comic was like, have you ever watched television? Yeah. <laughs> Matter of fact, yeah. I have <laughs> seen a TV yeah. set. Yeah. Have you ever worn a coat? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How many coat? Where are my coat wearers yeah. out there and then, and then you go into coat material, right, right which is very but, rare. But, you know, they expect that here, and that's okay, and people will give intros because people, but people don't remember your intro. But it's, it was very interesting mm-hmm. how in England that it's just about not lying. It's about being honest being authentic and and you know i was out there in in london with hicks and we talked a lot and we had a, you know we were two americans we we're out there together and he said to me one of the greatest things that ever happened in my life he said you know you're so smart and funny when we hang out but when you go on stage you do this love me love me dance and i was like first i was offended of course sure. you know of an ego and then i was like the guy's right and i changed everything i was doing and it made me a better comic and i have him to thank for really being honest with me where most of my friends would probably just say that behind my back like you know you go to a restaurant and you have spaghetti in your teeth and no one will <laughs> tell you but they'll tell the waiter when he comes back look he has spaghetti in his teeth hicks was the one who said you've got spaghetti in your teeth pal you know get it out and be funny when you say you changed what you were doing how long did that take what was that process like because you have an act and you're comfortable with it now somebody says something you you just go right out and start writing new jokes how did you started writing i started talking about things that really mattered to me that we would talk about in conversation not so much about like trying to be one-sided politically i wanted to talk about religion because i had this incredible childhood of many religions and and fear teaching and all the stuff like that and then i got to talk to george carlin who was my hero and then luckily became my friend i still have his voicemail on my answer machine is that right it's really cool and uh it's the I, why i have this answer machine that's from the 20s that i won't change because i have him on it it's still a tape right <laughs> one of those little mini tapes yeah no there's it's two birds with like a pigeons pigeons with paper i forgot with carrier pigeons uh i'll go i'll keep going um um, it was so Carlin said I said how do I talk about religion he was, first he said well just talk about it first and then he said the second thing is he says give your perspective if you give your perspective no one can argue with you don't tell someone else that they suck for what they believe in it's never you suck it's we suck you mm-hmm. know come from a position of we suck and a position of here's my you know you might not agree with my perspective but if it's smart and you tell it and so that combination of really smart good people helped me to start rewriting my act and I got started getting sick of the other stuff where I was pandering just like every other American comic I've seen and I still see. Carlin was the first person I ever heard talk about the Catholic religion and that meant so much to me mm. when I was a kid because that is like your first awareness of like, you know, you're doing this stuff, you're doing this stuff and you're like, wait, why? They never really explain why we're into these rituals that they're forcing us to do. Right. So he was the first one that, that made me think that it was funny rather than uh, are we all just lying to each other you know what I mean and there you go with the word lying and that's what comedy is about is telling the truth yeah and and it's setting you free. Yeah now George you became friends with how well I 
did a joke on Star Search that I wrote, mm-hmm. and I, um, a friend of mine came up to me and says, you know, George Carlin does that. I go, no, he doesn't. I've listened to everything he's ever done, and he's my hero. And I um, found out that he did, you know, did a joke that I had written. And so I saw George Carlin in a hotel in Las Vegas, and I went up to him, and he was playing the slots, and I waited for him to be done, and luckily he won. He was in a good mood. And he said to me, I said, look, my name's Eddie Brill. I'm a comedian. You're my hero, and I did a joke and blah 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 you know how can you have a word like nonchalant when there's no such word as chalant and then i acted it out and he says you know first of all i have give you a lot of credit because i told him i took it out of my act and he says that's very smart because everyone's going to think that you stole it from me when in fact i bought it from somebody who probably stole it from you and he goes you won't be able to do it but you know you know that's it shows you have integrity and the night he died just seven years ago last week i did it the night he died it was the time i did it on stage you know and and Rich Jenny loved that joke. He go, hey Brill, how can you have a word like nonchalant when there's no such word as chalant? He would always say. So you know, then so we started a friendship, and I met him through Schimmel, who we love, and yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and that was really good. And then he called me. He said, I want you to teach my girlfriend to do stand up. He says, I hear you're one of the best teachers on the planet. I go, yeah, but you're George Carlin. And he says, yeah, but she's not going to listen to me. That's my girlfriend. Yeah. So I started working with Sally and uh, a little bit. And I mean, it's the biggest thrill in the world that How George Carlin would ask That's me. That's a great story. Yeah. 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 So it's, you know, you know, no matter what happens in the world, George. Oh, and the coolest George Carlin story is I was doing the show in Vegas, the very first Vegas comedy festival before it was taken over by this the, the conglomerate. Mm-hmm. I remember and, that festival. And it was a show called Comedy. Comics old and new. And the new ones were me and John Mulroney and Jeff Altman. So we weren't really that new. Mm-hmm. But the old ones <laughs> you know, were uh, Jack Carter and uh, um, and it was Norm Crosby it was, and Pat Cooper. And the host was uh, the trumpet player who did comedy on The Tonight Show. I can't think Doc of Doc Severinsen? No, the, oh. but he was a comedian. Uh, I know him so well. I have a picture with him. Can't think of him. Someone will get it. And... Um, and so I, I go out there, and a friend of mine's in the audience, and he's sitting next to George Carlin and his friends. So Car- I'm about to go on, and Carlin's talking, his friends are talking to him, and he said, shh, I want to hear, this is one of my favorite comedians, shut up. And my friend heard that and told that to me, and now I could die. So Yeah, sure, you know. that had to be <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Right. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Honor. Uh, you've been with The Letterman Show how long? Now? Well, I, I left. I was there for 17 years, yeah. I, and February was my last uh, time there. It's the most incredible experience of my life. Um, you know, I started in 97. Uh, Louis C.K. worked there as a, you know, he was the uh, he, one of the writers, and he recommended me, and I did a six-week trial period. It lasted 17 years, but it was time to move on. I got Letterman's blessing, and I, I moved on, and it was fantastic. I, mm-hmm. And, uh, and now I'm busier than I'm, what's that? You should do a book. Yeah, well, I am doing a book. I've written 53 short stories about my life, you know. But the thing I will never do is tell the, like, secrets, you know, and, like, this Letterman did this or that, because that's not who I am. And there's no reason for it. There's enough funny, Mm -hmm. great stories of me there and me in my life that I never have to resort to doing something like that, Mm -hmm. you know? Let somebody else do that. And I think Dave is also, like, the last guy who 
had some privacy in that position. Good. You know what good I mean? For like, him. I don't think there's going to be another public person that is going to have as private life as Dave has. It's amazing to me that you can go all around New York City and not see pictures of Dave with the owner of restaurants. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like he's just never seen in right. and out. And I know he has an apartment here, but you never bump into him. Like Regis is in every <laughs> bodega. Regis is sitting next to us yeah. right here. Yeah. He's in your home when you get there. Right? He's, he's always right. ready. He's my but, air conditioning man. But Dave is like, when you think of Dave, you think of him on the show. Yes. And I felt the same way about Carson. Carson, yes. he was, yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. You didn't run into him hanging out someplace. Yeah. You know what's Maybe funny? I had my, one of my earliest jobs in L.A. was the warm-up comic, my first warm-up gig for Saved by the Bell. Uh. And across the hall, as, as, far, as far as Fez is from me, was the uh, Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And I never got to meet him. I got to see him, but he was always flanked by people and all this kind of stuff because he was leaving when I saw him and right. there would always be a security guard and a bunch of people around him. But for the last seven years, I've run a comedy festival in his hometown. Uh, we just had it a week ago. Uh, we call it the Great American Comedy Festival, uh, only because the words Great American Comedy are in there. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get the, the permission to say Johnny Carson Comedy Festival. And I hope if there's a, if there's a way someone can see you from heaven or hell or, or purgatory or wherever people go or, yeah. you know, from the deli, that he could see that we're doing some beautiful things in his name. And David Steinberg won this year, right? Yeah, well, he, he received it, the Johnny Carson Legend Award. Yeah, every year we have a legend. We had Cavett and we had, Ed Asner and Cloris Leachman and Stephen Wright and you know every year we've had some great ones and this year one of my heroes David Steinberg you know you talked about it I you sent me that clip yeah I did Steinberg, a promo on him this week yeah, which was great yeah. how uh, wild and uh, I get to interview them at a desk that looks like Johnny with the stuff that Johnny had on his desk you know that's cool and it's so great and Steinberg's one of my heroes he was the youngest ever guest host on the Tonight Show the only person who made more appearances was uh, Bob Hope he made 140 appearances and he's the funny charming he has that great showtime special that him and Carell there's also a great uh, documentary on him that got done this year right that, balls or yeah something. the 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 time that he started and that whole arc you know when you're doing comedy and there's about 10 comedians on the right. planet you know that's that's why he is like okay somebody else is ready let's bring him on the tonight show yeah but it's always amazing when you find out those guys have been doing like stand up a year and a half before they went on you're like what i know he was at the bitter end david steinberg in 62 i think or i don't yeah. know what year it was and uh boom he's on the tonight show right after that but he was you know he's a canadian he's in winnipeg he goes to chicago because he wants to run away from home and get away and he joins Second City, and there's Robert Klein and Peter Boyle, and you know all these guys, Mike Nichols, and right. I mean it, Elaine May. The, the, yeah, there's pieces of that that you're like, where the audience is so much smarter. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it was like watching like literary people yes. on stage. They were just brilliant. You know, there was no dick and asshole jokes. No, 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 no. This is so <laughs> right. Just Probably real, after the show yeah, at, the, at it, the restaurant, exactly. Right. Right. But they came in at such a high level. It was like. Oh, we, it was like reading The New Yorker. You yeah. know, you're like, I don't know. I'm trying to keep up. You know, when he had a show, the Dick, Ste the Dick, the David, the Dick Steinberg show, yeah. which was weird because his name's David. He had the David Steinberg show, and it was the precursor for SCTV. He yeah. had all those same people on. And then, um, you know, Larry Sanders' show was pretty much... Uh, a 
homage to the David Steinberg show. Well, well he still has a show, right? Inside Comedy. Inside Comedy. Inside Comedy, but then he directs so much comedy. Yeah. He directed, you know, Norm MacDonald and a bunch of comedians. He directed Curb Your Enthusiasm and Seinfeld and yeah. Golden Girls, and he was the executive producer of Designing Women and, you know, uh, Weeds. He's done, you know, he's, he's one of those guys. It's an amazing career. Yeah. And very few guys that will go, I'm going to go from the stage to directing, you know, TV. I don't know anyone else who's ever done it, but his influence is everywhere, man. Everywhere. It's just everywhere. And I got to interview him, and he had amazing stories, and we only talked for 20 minutes. We could have talked for four hours. Sure. You know, it was Eddie great. Brill's with us in studio. He's appearing at the Key West Comedy Festival, September 8th through the 14th, keywestcomedyfest.com for tickets and information. Then also appearing at the Woodstock Comedy Festival in Woodstock, New York, September 19th through the 21st, woodstockcomedyfestival.org. He's here along with Jeffrey Gurian from Comedy Matters TV, where you can subscribe to Comedy Matters TV by going to youtube.com slash Network. You're both, Jeffrey, you're... You're two different companies here? Two different ones, yeah. Yeah. Because I jump around. You do jump around. (laughs) I do. But what is the difference between your two things? Well, one's Comedy Matters TV, which is, that's my basic site, but Mm -hmm. the YouTube channel is the one where where all the interviews are. There's over 300 of them. You know, Jimmy Fallon, Chelsea Handler, Jon Stewart, Bob Saget, Jack Black, Eddie Brill will be on soon. The uh, the Chelsea Handler thing is interesting. Did you see today? She's leaving the show, E, and is signed with Netflix. Even though she wasn't having any kind of ratings problems with E, everything was going great. But now you, it'll be just directly through Netflix. So everything's changing. Right. And, you know, platform. Well, we were talking about Letterman. That kind of thing where it's 1130, I'm going to go watch Letterman. Is probably a thing of the past. Yeah, I mean, he's the last of the broadcasters. You know, it was Parr yeah. and Steve Allen and, uh, you know, Johnny and uh, and Dave, you know, and even Regis to an extent. They're the broadcasters, and that's no longer going to happen anymore. And now, you know, Netflix is very smart. You know, they started with the Kevin Spacey show, which is brilliant. And then, you know, they've been taking comics. And, uh, you know, Dave Becky, you know, Dave Becky, sure, our friend, the, very the great well. yeah, manager. Yeah. Three and arts. Three arts. And they worked on, on, you know, bringing great content, comedy content. And Chelsea's smart to bring her show. She has a yeah. huge fan base, and now it's you know you and don't she's have with to Irving be there. Azoff, who used to run Live Nation, who's just huge, right? And he and Madison Square Garden are in partnership as well. So Chelsea is going to be doing amazing things. Yeah, it's very good for people. You know, comedy. I'll give you an example. The one thing about the Great American Comedy Festival, the Johnny Carson thing, is every year I have to bring twenty incredible comedians. I only bring twenty because we pay them, we pay them handsomely, we fly them in, we put them up, we don't charge them, which is the new thing now to audition for a festival, and that's the biggest crime in the world. They're charging sixty bucks to have you look at their tape. That's your job as a booker of a festival to look at tapes. If you can't do it, don't run a festival. We run our festival. We get sponsors. We have ticket sales. That's how we pay people. So we bring 20 people. And I've been doing it for seven years. So there's 140 comics, plus the headliners we bring in. You know, And uh, the, the difference is, nowadays, is that you think, well, I'm running out of comics. But no, there's so much good comedy out yeah. there. It's just mm-hmm. getting better and better and better. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a plethora 
if I can use that word. There was a kid, Ken Quaglio, in elementary school who was Mr. Perfect. And he was so perfect and he was so handsome. And you know that guy you yeah. hated? Yeah. And then he said plethora once in class. And it made my, it rocked my world. I'm 55. I still am excited that Ken Quaglio said plethora. And instead of plethora, he said plethora. And it made my world. I hope somewhere he's fucking driving along here and he's going, give it a rest, bro. I can't, Jesus. Ken. I can't. You were perfect. <laughs> I didn't. That was the first time I saw the word. <laughs> Give me a break. But I didn't know about the the charging sixty bucks. Yeah, there's some yeah, festival, most festivals charge a lot of them. You yeah. know, Boston is charging thirty five, and that's a fantastic festival run by really high integrity people. But they're afraid they're going to get thousands of tapes. You know, so hire people yeah. to watch your tapes if you don't want to watch them. You know how you get the best comics in the world? You go to the best comics in the world and say, "Who do you have you work with, and who do you see it's great?" Plus, right. I go. I go to 16 different cities. We spend thousands of dollars for me to go to every best comedy club in America to find the best comics. And there are tons of them. Uh, you know, I try to find the best comics. It's not about the best looking. It's not about the, you know, people who have the personality to draw, to sell and market. It's mm-hmm. the combination of the best comedy and oh, it's okay if you have great marketing. You know, there's a lot of comics who get, who don't go anywhere because they don't look a certain way. And that's a shame. There are a lot of comics mm-hmm. who are really famous who are not really great comics and good for them you know mm-hmm. let them make the money there's always room for that in the society it's all about making money and marketing but our festival we get the best of the best comics it's funny what you said chris rock once told me something that's in my book he said comedy is the only part of entertainment that's fair because it's not based on your appearance it's yes. not based on your looks you can look mm. any way you want if you're funny that's what look that's at Ricky what Gervais. What if, if he auditioned in America for the office? Would right. have he gotten it? No. No, no, you're right about that. Dick. Yeah, he's uh, brilliantly funny, and he got it because he wrote it, and he's great. And England is different than America. In I, fact, I remember they said after Seinfeld that NBC just decided we want to do an attractive Seinfeld show, and they did Friends. <laughs> so they're like, so you can see that you know if you look over at Kramer and and George, they thought, oh God, why do you want those guys? Not knowing that two funny people were running Seinfeld, right. and knew what they were. We're looking for, so they went over and made you know basically models, right? And hand the jokes. So well, that's them. how our country is. We base everything on appearance, We're very, yeah. right? And comedy is not about who you are on the outside; it's who you are on the inside, right? You know, I was on the board of the Aspen Comedy Festival, and I'm sitting around with the casting directors of every major network. The dream for every comedian I had, I was in there with them making decisions, and they were making decisions and booking comedians that were not that funny at all, but were really handsome or pretty. And I said, why are you booking this person? They're not really that funny. They go, but they're marketable. I go, and uh, corporations want marketable people. And I said, you're in charge. You're the people who are in charge of what is funny. And you tell people what's funny or not because you're the smartest people uh, on the planet. And they were the smartest people on the planet. Yet they were kowtowing down to the, the, the money. And that's what they were forced to do. And I left the, I left that group. I said, no, I'm not going to be booking things this way. You know, that's not the way you're supposed to book. Well, we were, like you said before, we talked about Last Comic Standing. Right. It's on, it's back again this year. Uh, but Jimmy Schubert has got right. a shot this year. Which is great. And he's like, when you look at him, he's been doing this so long. He's so worthy. 
He knows the deal, you know. He knows yeah. the shot, but he's getting that prime time audience. I mean, him and Rocky Laporte, you know, Rocky really Laporte. funny, great guys. Yeah. I know Schubert since the Kinnison days when we were yeah. both. Kinnison was very good to a, a few of us. Me, him, Stephen Pearl. He took us under his wing, and Schubert was one of those guys. And you really root for them. But you know, the difference is who's running Last Comic Standing now. It's comics who are running it. Yeah. And you got the brilliant Roseanne Barr, and you got you know Keenan Ivory Wayans, and smart, smart comedy people in charge, and in there, and JB and Russell, he, Peters. Russell Peters and all these people who really know comedy and that's why the show is a little bit bearable it's still a reality show they're still yeah. editing the sets they're they're adding laughter and applause I mean it was a crime before because the, the people who, who used to run Saved by the Bell were running you know the, com- yeah. the last comic standing and they I saw a taping at the Mac, Maclow Theater and there was a comic who was kind of attractive and because that comic did, did and did very poorly they and they went on on the show, mm. and then you watch the tape, and they added laughter and applause. And there was a, another comedian who was less than attractive, and they were hilarious and smart. And they edited that person's set to make it look like that person bombed. Yeah. You know, that's a wow. crime. That's a crime. But now you have you know really sm- uh, comedians in charge. And you know, people always said to me when I book Letterman, a comedian who books Letterman, I go, that's what you want. You know, Buddy Hackett said, you know, the the difference is is that I've walked the last thirty feet. Mm-hmm. You know, meaning I went to the microphone. So when mm-hmm. I book Letterman, I book the. Con- I, I'm at least they can trust me because I walked the last thirty feet. Yeah, uh, and you love those days. Of course, that. I still do. I've been booking comics for thirty years. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I love doing stand up first and foremost. That's my favorite thing on the planet. And uh, since I've left the the Letterman show, I've been able to do more stand up and do. You know, I'm able to be here in my shorts right. instead of having to be ready for the show in a couple of hours <laughs> yeah. and run over there. I don't have to shave, and it's radio. It's perfect. Um, you perform internationally, though. You're yeah. one of the few guys I know who tours like all over the world. It was luckily that British thing that happened, and then I got to work in Ireland and Scotland. You know, when we work in in New York, we can work Connecticut and and Boston and Massachusetts and that kind of thing. When you're the in England, area. right? And their tri-state areas, <laughs> you know, France area. and Germany, yeah. and, <laughs> you know, I've worked Hong Kong and Australia, it's, and France was one of the best gigs of my life. It was amazing. Yeah, Tom Rhodes is doing that entire right. international thing. And only occasionally does he come back mm-hmm. to right. the he States. Loves, yeah, he's oh, he's away most of the time. When you mentioned Aspen, that's where I first met Tom Rhodes, 1995. Right. That was that festival. Bernie Brillstein was there. It was a major, major thing. Rich Hall is the reason Tom Rhodes and I have careers in Europe. Because really? he, first of all, he put us up at his apartment, which we didn't have, you know, because they don't put you up. And, uh, and also he got us a lot of work. And, you know, Rhodes and I, you know, Rhodes had, was the David Letterman of, of um, Amsterdam. He yeah. had his own show. Mm-hmm. And it was great. You know, we got we all got to be on TV because Tom oh, Rhodes Oh, you did the was, show. Yeah, everybody, you know, it was good. And in the summertime, they would do this, uh, they would do British and, and English-speaking comics. It was really fun. And uh, the audience was, uh, English was their second language. And it was very yeah. cool to be able to make them laugh. And isn't it weird for him, too, that he became a personality in another country? Another I mean... Guy. You know how it's hard that is such a long yeah. shot, you well, know? Well, the first night I ever was in Amsterdam, I bombed. And I hadn't bombed, you know, in a long, long time yeah. since the Charlie Horse in, in, uh, in Massachusetts. <laughs> and that's the name of the club. I got a funny story about that place. <laughs> Aptly named the Charlie the Horse. Charlie Horse yeah. um, and the uh, owner of the club came up to me and handed me this seven-foot martini. He says, calm down and drink with me. And I'll tell you, you're going too fast. These people have to translate this stuff. So the next night I went on and boom, boom. Boom, boom, it was really great. I'll tell you a great story about the Charlie horse. There was, you know, I started in college at Emerson College in Boston.
Fest. And then I, you know, it was a great place, and there were so many great comedians, and there were so many legends like Lenny Clark and and uh, Don Gavin and Kenny Rogerson, who's the greatest comic that nobody knows about. He's sure. one of the best comics on the planet. Isn't I remember. That, isn't that amazing that you can be that great and still people don't know you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's well, that's because of marketing or choices that people make. Uh, but he still is, you know, all comedians know that he's the guy. I remember the Nick's Comedy Stop was starting to handle John Panetti. He was a young kid. He was handsome. He was funny. He was charming. But he didn't really have material. So they asked Kenny, will you help uh, John? And Kenny had like 17 notebooks of comedy. He handed John a couple of them and said, here, use these jokes. They're full <laughs> notebooks of stuff. And Panetti, you know, of course, wrote his own. It was really funny. So they would send us out on these gigs. And there was this girl named Susie Allaire. I'll never forget her. I can't find her on Facebook because I want her to know that I was turned out to be funny. But she probably doesn't think so. <laughs> and she was so demure, and I asked her out, and she finally came in. I says, I got a gig, and she says, okay, 35 minutes outside of Boston in Plymouth, Mass., the Charlie Horse. So we pull up, and it's a biker bar. <laughs> and you walk into this biker bar, and there are, it's like the scene from Blazing Saddles, where the people are hitting each other at the end, when they're all fighting and <laughs> right. hitting, and there's pull cues, and they're smashing. I'm going, where do I do stand-up? And they go, in that room, sir, to the left. So Susie's <laughs> freaking out. We walk into this room, and there's only the women and the girlfriends and the wives of these men are in this other room. And it was really sad, more than anything, because they <laughs> were black eyes. They were waiting for the fight to be over. They were waiting for the fight to be over, and they were in this comedy room. There was a woman with, with a beer in one hand and a stroller in the other hand, and she was the only one watching me. But the other women had, like, splints and, you know, oh. you know tourniquets and black eyes. It was just a <laughs> horrific scene, the whole thing, and the Susie was so not happy. So she sits in the front, and, uh, you know, and I, I forgot, I was not cursing here, but you said asshole, so I I can tell you this whole story. So uh, the lady with the with the baby in the stroller, she's the only one watching me. No one's paying attention. They're all just waiting for this fight to be over and go home. And uh, all of a sudden, I say, you know, no one's paying attention, but at least, lady, you're paying attention. And she goes, fuck you. And she throws her bottle. I duck. It smashes, and I get soaking wet from her beer. I'm surprised she didn't want to finish her beer. And I'm glass all over me, and Susie does it. It's the longest 35-minute ride home I've ever had. What a way to impress a girl. <laughs> Yeah, right. I, I don't what think she's story. ever gone out again <laughs> with anybody. And how was your intro then? Ladies and gentlemen, this next guy has worked for at hospitals and Red Cross the centers rooms all over the <laughs> Is this one of the fifty-three short stories that's going to make the yeah, book? It, it'll yeah. be it should, one of the hundred and fifty stories. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've made lists of stories. You know, I mean, I'm I'm allowed to talk about the great things that have happened at Letterman, and I will tell some of those great stories. Yeah. yeah but there's nothing really bad about Letterman. Letterman was the nicest smartest, greatest boss I've ever had in my life. I mean, you know, things that are public record that you know is that remember in 2008, the bottom fell out of the whole everything, <laughs> and Letterman you know, was the only, he was the guy that everyone followed later, but he took money out of his pocket and paid us oh, for paid eight weeks staff, of right? yeah. paid the staff. I mean, that's the kind of guy you, you'd walk over a broken glass for a guy like that, you know? Yeah. He's an amazing guy, and I'm so blessed to be able to be next to him for 17 years, so, you know. When, uh, when, how did you feel when you heard him do his retirement uh, you know I, I it's sad because it's the end of an era but good for him he can yeah he you know he he's done what he wants to do you know let him go out like mariano rivera yeah and uh you know go out with everyone knowing that he's going out and people are jockeying probably for spots on the show and good for you know good for him he's he really changed the whole world and he doesn't give a shit what people think he's just funny and smart and great and caring and people always have this thing oh he's not that nice to people it's 
if you watch his shows, he's really caring and mm-hmm. really nice and an incredible human being. And I'm again, I'm blessed that I got to work with him for 17 years. Well, you, you know, you gave, you gave the right word with the broadcasting of him understanding an entire show. And when you just come out of stand-up, let's say, you're just like, how am I doing? Am I killing? You know what I mean? So right. I, uh, who, oh, I talked to, to Bob Newhart, mm. who was telling me it's tough to do some of those shows because when he does his long timing, yeah. know, they'll want to jump in <laughs> right. or they're tagging right. his lines. And this is written material, you know, so it's the broadcasting guy who's willing to put that guy over, you know, right. knowing that he's going to be back again tomorrow night. It's, yes. You know, I mean, you're going to get to do your jokes as well. You know, well. there's an hour show. The first half hour is the host. The host yeah. gets to do the monologue. They get to do the top ten list. They get to do that. And now it's your guest turn. And Johnny was the best at doing that. He took care of his guests. Yeah. And he let, you know, didn't matter how famous you are, if you're the little lady with the potato chips, you were just as important as anybody else. And that's what Dave always has done. He's been, he's made his guests important and he make he brings out the best of them. It's like watching two people at dinner, having a conversation. You know, I became close with Dick Cavett, which is so surreal to say that mm-hmm. out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I told him that. I said, it's so surreal. He goes, yeah, I, I know what it's like. I was being close to Groucho for me was so surreal. And he said that, you know, Jack Part said to him, look, I know you got a talk show. He's got had one of the best talk shows ever, Cavett. And he says, just don't interview people. And Kevin goes, what are you talking about? That's what I have to do. He says, have a conversation. Don't interview them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's such a, a fascinating guy. I've had him on a couple times. And just, there is this thing where when they'll, he'll bring up names that you're like, I forgot that that person's even real. You know what I mean? It's like if, it's almost like he was saying mythical, I was with the Jolly right. Green Giant yeah, yeah, right. and Santa Claus, and we were, you know, because it goes and back. To, yeah, it goes. But you hear those Groucho stories, and you know, Cavett has put out some DVDs of that show. Uh, he was an old man, and he was the fastest, smartest. fastest thing that ever moved and you and you're like a beat behind him you're like oh well, wait i get it that was funny you know but yeah, it's coming quick. so quick very quick and he did that and people did his show like robert mitchum and katherine hepburn and yeah marlon brando who never did any shows and because they loved him so much and trusted him so much i just did a little uh three show tour in cleveland because his uh wife's family's from that area where i just interviewed dick cabot and we did a sh- we did a show where I, he got his due i did a little stand-up i brought him out and i interviewed him and we showed clips from the show and he got to tell all the stories and you know I want to do it all over the world with him but he said look I'm 77 I love right. my wife I love my house yeah. I'm going to stay home you know we did this and this was really fun but uh, 400 people got to see Dick Cavett you mm-hmm. know and it was really beautiful to watch him and he taught me how to interview I just like I interviewed Steinberg interviewed Ed Asner I interviewed all these incredible people I've learned from Cavett how to to do an just interview. Be a, just be yourself. Have a conversation. Yeah, just have like a, this. Yeah. yeah. Exactly like what we're doing. Well, yes. we're not on the air. I never even told yeah, you about no, that's okay. I, don't <laughs> need to be on the I air. never know the difference <laughs> anyway. You know that. I, 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 I'm on. <laughs> when the show's over, I'm like, are we still on? I don't yeah. know. Should I tell this story? Are we on the air? <laughs> but you always, you always do that. I so always check. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie Brill's with us. Eddie's going to be appearing at the Key West Comedy Festival September 8th through the 14th. KeyWestComedyFest.com. Then September 19th through the 20th. First, that's Eddie Brill at the Woodstock Comedy Festival, Woodstock, New York, WoodstockComedyFestival.org for more information and tickets. Where they do that one in Woodstock? In yeah. Woodstock. You yeah. know, um, I, they got me involved. It's a very small festival. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's yeah. it just, we started it last year. We really only had a few comics. We had Cabot interview Bobcat Goldthwait. 
It was supposed to be Sarah Silverman, but she got a film. So Bobcat was there ready to show his film. So we put them together. I interviewed Cavett. Then Goldthwait did stand up when he was still one of the smartest guys I've ever known. Unbelievable. In and then he a great did director, too. Great director. He was showing yeah. one of his great films, and Cavett interviewed him. We had Mario Cantone, my fraternity brother from college. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a show. And then we done the Sunday, and we did some other shows with some great up and coming young comics. You know, Sashir uh, Zameda, yeah. you know, who I've used a lot in a lot of shows that I've done. She did it. So there's only a handful of comics there, but it's a, it's a, we're just trying to, you know, pay, again, homage to a great place that was famous for its music. We brought a little comedy up there. And the real reason we're doing this festival, no one gets paid. It's for the um, Polaris Company, the company that's about anti human trafficking. And all the mm-hmm. money goes to either transportation for the performers and the rest of the money goes to um, to this great foundation Polaris. So we're going to do it again this year. There'll be a handful mm-hmm. of comics. We have a few of them there. There's, you know, it's three or four main main comics and then, you know, but the um, the uh, so we're doing that and then the Key West County Festival this just started. This is their first year and the guy uh, who's running it called me up and said, you when I was a young comic, you were really good to me and I really want you to to be one of the first people this festival well, that feels good. You know, I just worked in Bangladesh for the second really? time. Oh, wow. Which was amazing. It was the one that I did over two hours every night. I was afraid I couldn't do anything. This guy said, look, when I was a young comic, you helped me out, and I want you to be the guy to be there. And I went to Bangladesh. This guy, he didn't care if he made money. He just wanted to, he's a comic, and he's living with his family, and he wanted to put on shows. So, that's crazy. You know, it, it's nice. You know, How I, slow did you have to speak? In back that's what I was worried about, <laughs> but these were the smartest. These were, the audiences were made up of the people who are international travelers. They've been all over the world. Yeah. You know, that one, like America, 1% of the people are rich, and 99% of the people are poor. In Bangladesh, there's it's a city of like 14 million people of Dhaka. There's 44 million people. I was the only comic at 44. Four million people performing that night, and I got to be on the show. And they put on six up-and-coming Bangladeshis, and they were some really funny. We're working together, and we got to do some workshops and talk. And it's you know, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, where you're from. It's that whole thing on the inside. These people are funny people. They're good people, and people want to laugh despite how crazy the world is. Absolutely, there's a uh, the opportunities that you've had to do this is oh, just stunning. It's, it's just amazing. stunning. Yeah. Uh, and who knows where that path leads, you yes, know? Yes, and now, you know, since Letterman's been over for me since February, I'm busier than I've ever been in my entire life, mm-hmm. doing amazing, wonderful things. And, you know, I just got uh, signed a deal today to write funny uh, bits for some nutrition organization because I've been really healthy and they paid me a handsome amount. And some coconut water guy who has the freshest coconut water, real uh, healthy coconut. You know, I don't know if you know this about coconut water. It's the closest thing to plasma on the planet. In yeah. World War II, they used coconut water when they didn't have enough plasma for the soldiers. And this, this guy has this company, and he wants me to, to create a whole ad campaign. So I'm doing that and, you know, producing all these comedy festivals and shows, and again, doing stand-up and writing a book at the same time. It's been now, great how do, how do you reach some of these corporate people, though? They how, find me. They, they just go looking for you. Yeah. People, the word around the thing is that this guy works his ass off, and, you know, and, uh, and then I say, how about me? No, the uh, <laughs> what about my fair share? <laughs> and I push that person aside, and I get in on that stuff. You know, <laughs> there's someone out there perfect to write coke, coconut water bits, but yeah. let's get rid of them. Brill's yeah, here. Brill is desperate. 
and is thirsty. So please help the poor guy. Now I feel better because I've been drinking coconut water, and I didn't know it's right. plasma. I've been no drinking idea plasma. You're drinking plasma. plasma. Yeah. It's not so wild? popular these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Place but there's a lot of bullshit water. coconut water because once you heat it, you've taken all the good stuff out. So there's Who all these uh, all these Pe- companies they pasteurize it? it and they heat it oh, oh. because in order for any any food or any drink that you make from food, it's gonna deteriorate once you use it so you have to sell it right away but if you have a thing that's in a carton or you have anything processed it's a waste of a meal anything processed you might as well eat the money because the money has the same amount of nutrition <laughs> that the that the food has it's not really food our society is about um really just greed and not about compassion for humans there's so much disease right now in the world because there's such little compassion and there's so much money to be made that the FDA and the USDA and all these people, they're on the take and they're they're passing things along and they're letting people sell, you know, fake sugar. There's even there's even stevia, which is a plant, which if mm-hmm. you it's a it's not it's not that delicious, but if you want to have it's a, sweet, a real, though. it's yeah. sweet. But there's bullshit stevia out there. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just companies that just take advantage of. You know, it's so sad. You go to a place like Detroit, they don't have any places for food. They don't have supermarkets in Detroit. Mm. You could only shop at a convenience store to get your meal. I mean, the the world of the food's running out, and people are constantly just creating food in the laboratory, and it's you know we're eating you know uh, insecticides and pesticides, yeah. and that's why everyone's dying and getting cancer and diabetes. You know, diabetes type two, no one needs to have it. You don't have to have it. It's not a disease. It is something, and it, it's disease like because it makes you. But you, if you do. All that prescription medicine does for diabetes type 2 is regulated. It takes care of the symptoms. But if you eat real food and you get rid of all the bullshit, then you can get rid of the diabetes type 2 in a couple of weeks to a couple of months. And How it's long have you been dealing with your diabetes type 2? Since 2005. Right. Well, you, about you, 10 years. Yeah, yeah. well, that's 10 years to about nine, nine and a half years too long. And you know, all they do is up your meds, right? Yeah, they just right. changed them again, like uh, probably about a month ago. And Put they me want, back on insulin. Yeah, they want you now. Diabetes type one—that's a different story. That right. that you you know that that can in a tiniest percent can be fixed, but you can't. It's, people just are far gone. Type two is. It's really juvenile diabetes. Was what the reason we're so fat in this country is because there's, we're malnourished, and we keep feeding ourselves, and our bodies are going. We are not feeding us. You're not giving us any nutrition. We're not getting any minerals. We're not getting any vitamins, and we keep forcing more food inside our bodies, and that's why we're obese. It's very simple, but you're never going to find this information out. People who hear me talk about it or go, "He's a nut. He's a health nut. He's crazy." You know, I lost 135 pounds once I learned how to eat healthy you know and you weren't hungry you weren't you just never because my body was nourished when you you eat very little when you're nourished Mm -hmm. i don't have to have a big meal but you know because society is is so geared to people spending money that even i at an occasion i put weight back on because i see these products and they look so sexy and they and they're and their their sugar is so addictive and so poisonous for our Mm. bodies and you know we just keep doing and doing and i put on weight and i have to go and once i go back to eating healthy again then i feel really great so what's a big change that you made that that you lost the 135 well first of all i did a 90-day sugar fast where i got rid of all sugars 
including fruit at the beginning. So I would just get off of this addiction. We're all addicted to sugar. But that is so hard. How'd you do the first few days? It was horrible. It's like kicking heroin. It is. It's really bad. Yeah, your body craves it. Right. And then there's all the advertising. And then your friends, you know. But here's the the problem I had at the beginning was I was so angry when I found out the truth. Like when you find out you've been 10 years on medication and you're you're feeding these pharmaceutical companies and they're not, they don't want you to get. And he's still getting stents and everything. He's like terrible. You don't need any of that stuff. You don't need any of that stuff, you know. So you find out this stuff and I was so angry and I'm screaming and my friends are like, hey, back off, pal. Stop screaming. No one's going to listen to you. So I stopped screaming and all, well, I'm screaming now. But um, (laughs) because you get angry when you find out what's really going on. Mm -hmm. But if you just be an example and people are looking at me, wow, your skin looks better, your hair is, you know, I'm not growing hair, but my hair is thicker than it was before. You know, I have more energy than I've ever had in my whole life and it really helps when you're traveling all the time and flying everywhere. Over how long a period of time did it take you to lose 135 pounds? 17 months. Wow. Yeah. And you weren't even focusing on losing weight. You were no. just eating differently. But, you know, I exercise as well yeah. because, you know, you know, like the dairy industry, you know, if you have raw goat's milk, you know, that's supposedly the closest thing to mother's milk out mm-hmm. there, you know. But if you have pasteurized, homogenized cow milk, you're not getting pure vitamin D and vitamin A. You get vitamin D from the sun. Yeah. But vitamin D, it's created in the laboratory, and your immune system doesn't know what to do with it, and the, it just fights it like it's a battle warrior, and your body's breaking down from all this stuff. And then there's mucus, and, you know, it's just horrific. But, right. But when I was a kid, I was a milk monitor in Brooklyn at PS205, <laughs> and I was the, the devil's carrier, and I brought milk to my friends mm-hmm. and gave them this horrible, <laughs> homo, you know, homogenized, pasteurized... Yeah. You've been better off dealing crystal meth. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did that too. You know, you have to make a living. Everybody's you know, got, you know, yeah, some got, free you choice. Know, my cross but to bear. It's really funny because I remember one day I'm on the air here and I'm doing a thing. I'm like, you know, watermelon used to be so much better when I was a kid. I don't know what happened to watermelon. So people called up and they go, where did you get it from? And I used to say, well, we stopped at this farm stand and the farmers were calling me and they're going, dude, you're getting, you're not going to the supermarket. Right. That stuff that you're eating that you're calling watermelon is something else yeah. go out to a farm find it so I went out of my way to do that and it was like amazing yeah, I'm like it still real exists delicious stuff yeah. it does exist but it's a lot smaller because you know there's so much like- right, it, looks, it doesn't look like good like you think of a supermarket right. like where the oranges are big and the water <laughs> yeah, you're right. like what is this dirty little thing that's an apple where do that's you find a real farm apple in Manhattan yeah do well you, you know, go to the farmer's yeah. market on Union Square Union oh, oh, Square oh, is on, amazing on, on, on Saturday. I mean look Long Island upstate New York New Jersey those people drive farmer's in markets. every weekend and it's amazing and they have the good soil and it, there's no E. coli from the waste of the animals that are right. around and that's leaking on the kind of thing and you know you can have vegetables or be a vegan and you can eat have a very horrible diet and, and and here's the weirdest part that I found out you can be the healthiest eater in the world but if you're around a toxic environment a place you hate to work you know your family is driving you crazy that doesn't help you at all I mean it's all right. it's all it's all related yeah it's, it's all, all stress it's all yeah. tied in together yeah you know there's and, and the other thing you, you learn about fruit is that if you pick a fruit piece of fruit before it's ripe it doesn't get ripe once you pick it it starts to die <laughs> the minute you pick it so it doesn't get ripe it's like you know if you're brother like you know friends of mine have had premature 
babies and you need to fill those babies with minerals and vitamins and to get them to i have a friend who had a a premature baby the kid's six foot four now because when he was in the hospital in england they were they knew what to do to this kid and now he's a strong powerful kid same thing with fruit if you take a fruit off the vine it doesn't get ripe only bananas really get ripe when you Mm. take them off the vine so you're taking the fruit off the vine it doesn't have the nutrition that you're supposed to have then you go to like some grocery store and there's seven thousand apples they all look exactly the same and they're all created You know, genetically and, you know, I mean, everything like, you know, people are getting this gluten free thing. There was not it wasn't really like that in the old days. You know, our grandparents never had this kind of food. Yeah, it was, you know, the the 40s, the war came out and people started processing things and TV dinners. And that was the beginning of the of the downfall of all the food in this country. But you know what? There's so much money involved that, you know, people don't want me to talk about this. You know, they don't want me to talk about There's so much billions of dollars. And as a family who runs this horrible food company and and they sell like you know potato chips that are all chemicals and no potato in there whatsoever and they don't want eddie brill on the air talking about that they have kids and they have to buy braces and you know they have to put a carport over their their brand new mercedes you know they don't want eddie brill saying don't eat that but if you look around and you look at everyone everyone's getting bigger and bigger even me i have to fight it all the time because we're being bombarded by these greedy people who just want to sell things it's uh, and like you said, our great grandparents wouldn't have even thought yeah. about any of this. There was no organic. That, first yeah. probably no. why they died. There's no, none of them around anymore. <laughs> we all died. Yeah. And you know, that's the no, thing. Matter, no matter how yeah. healthy you eat, well, someday you're going to die. That's it. So you know, it, some people say, "Well, about, I might as well have a donut till then." Well, but then, you know yeah. what? You know what's going to happen if you have a donut every day? Well, but that's the whole thing. You don't have to be extremist. Have a donut every once in a while. Once that in a while makes you happy. Treat. Then do that. You know, you don't have to be an extremist. Anything that's extremist in this world it's is crazy good, and right? psycho Fanatics. and weird. Yeah. Well, dude, it was great seeing you again, Same. man. Let's do this sooner, too. Let's not wait it's, so long. It's my pleasure. I always have fun with you guys. It's, yeah, it's always a it's blast. It's the best. Eddie Brill appearing at the Key West Comedy Festival this September 8th through the 14th. Go to keywestcomedyfest.com for more information and tickets. Or catch Eddie appearing at the New, uh, uh, New York Woodstock Comedy Festival, Woodstock, New York, September 19th through the 21st. Woodstockcomedyfestival.com. Org. Thank you, Jeffrey Gurian from ComedyMattersTV.com. You can subscribe to Comedy Matters TV. Catch all his interviews there by going to YouTube.com slash Gurian News Network at Jeffrey Gurian on Twitter. And we'll see Thank you guys you back in here tomorrow. Uh, that's the end of my show. Dog. Satellites gone way up to Mars. You know what you've been doing? You've been listening to The Ron and Fez Show. It's now over, but don't worry. You can listen again and again on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand.